Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday is here and welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, the number one BYU sports live stream show in the entire world. It's the last Tuesday of November. We're ready for the holidays. It's also the last Tuesday in the history of the Wise Guys because we're moving to Monday starting next week. Yeah, it's great. I just I was just saying as I was coming in that um, Tuesdays have been crazy for you and I because we have so many different things that happen on Tuesdays and uh It'll be kind of nice to have a nice calm Monday night where we, we we get to come in and this is what we do and and everybody joins us for early family night or late family night depending or it could be Tuesday morning if you're in the Philippines or in Japan. Speaking or, of the Philippines, Glenn is already on with us asking, "Will BYU TV broadcast men's volleyball?" Glenn, the answer is yes. Very nice, very nice, Glenn's All in. right, good evening, um, everybody. Nice to have you on our. Live stream chat. Let us know where you're watching and listening from. Philippines is in the house. Lake Winnipesaukee. Alan Blacker. Wow. Lake Winnipesaukee. What's the what temperature is it? What, Lake Winnipesaukee. What, what movie is Lake Winnipesaukee? And I can't even remember. But is it Groundhog Day? I can't remember. I don't know. And then, uh, and of course, <laughs> BYU Sports Attic always in from Farmington. So we're we're glad to have you here, and and Glenn, we're glad to have you in from the Philippines, of course. As always, we invite you to follow us on YouTube. The link is always in the chat. Hit the subscribe button. That's free. We're also live on Facebook, on Twitch, and YSGuys.com. You'll get this little ding when we do stuff, and uh, right there on your phone or your computer, and you go, hey, what are those guys doing? That's right. Oh. There they are. And, and, you know, and Bobby Gardner said, oh, so Bobby Gardner's saying, what about Bob? Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds that's about right. right. Like, what about Bob? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> All I have to say to that, Bobby, is baby steps. Baby steps baby is steps. what I have to say. So, hey, don't forget to follow us on ysguys.com, wiseguys.com. Subscribe so that you get our weekly email with highlights from the show and our past interviews are all there, including um, Steve Young, Wally Joyner, who we just had a couple weeks ago, Marie Osmond, Sherry Do, you name it, they're all there. Um, but make sure you subscribe. So whenever we're on, if you forget we're on Monday next week, you'll get reminded. Shout out to the Talbots for your BYU Texas tailgate shirt. Oh, yeah. How about that? The BYU alumni cheerleaders when the Cougars came to Austin, they made yeah. those shirts and they're awesome. I decided to wear this today. Yeah, I thought it was one. okay, right? Yeah. So uh, one more thing as we beat the drum on this. Uh, next Monday, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, Wise Guys. Next Tuesday, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, there will be not, we won't be on. Right. You, you, you I mean, can you watch could, the show. You can go watch the show And listen to the podcast want, right? and all that stuff. But uh, it's the big switch. And um, I know we've been on Tuesdays for about a year and a half. All of our shows have been here on Tuesday. We love Tuesday because it's always been the best night of the week. Hello, Michael from Beaumont, Texas. But we're moving to Monday because now Monday is the best night of the week. Right. And and when we got into the Big 12 schedule and realized that the basketball schedule was going to be a Saturday-Tuesday format in league play, and you and I have a bunch of BYU basketball games, I think 17 in total, on the year that we're doing for ESPN Plus, we're going to be doing a bunch of Tuesday night games. So yeah. it just didn't work out. And we didn't want to conflict. I mean, BYU's coaches show with Mark Pope used to be Tuesday nights. It's now moved so to a different night. So it's going to be Thursday night. So a little adjustment once we figured out what the schedule was going to be. And, and in the end, you and I have been thinking a lot about it. 
Um, many of you on the chat have chimed in, and we think Monday's going to be a great night for us all. I think so. It's a great night to be together, and uh, we're fresh off football uh, or whatever's happened over the weekend and, and right at the start of a new week. And I think it's a chance to get everyone's reaction to big games and big moments. And, um, and we continue to have uh, great guests. We've got a fun, fun show tonight. We'll talk football, the Oklahoma State game. Harvey Lange is going to be here, former Cougar linebacker, former NFL linebacker. His story of survival will have you just really grateful for your health and um, Anyway, that, there's some tender mercies in there. We're going to dive into it because that's what we do here on The Wise Guys. So a bit later on, Harvey Longy will be with us. Yeah, that and that's exciting to have, have mm-hmm. Harvey on, along with Brad Robbins uh, from Gentry, which is he'll be with us here in just a minute. And love Brad, just went to see their show the other night. It was phenomenal. My goodness, it was so good up at uh, the Echo Center in Salt Lake City. So glad to have him in. Um Men's Hoops back in the oh, yeah. top 25 for the first time in two years. And I, uh, we could search the country and the world. We would not find a single soul that believed no. six games into this season, BYU would be in the top 20. You, you me? No. Me, me? Would Mark Pope have even said it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Would Mark Pope have even said it? No. It was his furthest dream the wildest there's just no way uh and you know we talked to him before the season we talked to him before every game that we we do and it's just kind of like hey i'm just you know we're trying to get this guy back healthy when you're trying to play defense we want to shoot threes all of this stuff never once did it come up with and you know what i think we can be in the top 20 and then uh, if we get these first six wins and we talked about the the women's basketball team dave and hey they're going to be really talented but they're going to be really young so they're going to be up and down would anybody have said Hey, how about the men's and women's teams being a combined 12 and 0? No, no one. Nobody. Not us, not no one. <laughs> I know we're that's just not in a, we're just in a unique spot. They're still unbeaten 6 and 0 the women's basketball team. And then Crazy. you have women's soccer getting ready for the final four, the college cup. Uh, and women's volleyball is hosting the uh, NCAA tournament. They got a, a great shot at making another Sweet 16. The only disappointment sports-wise has been the football team this fall. Everybody else has exceeded expectations, and they just keep getting better. Right. Well, I don't. Did soccer exceed expectations? They're in the college cup, so well. When 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 Jen Rockwood sat here before the the Big Twelve was even a thing, we said when you move into the Big Twelve, she goes, "Uh, yeah, we expect to compete for national championships." Well, and they. So I expected them to be in the four. I didn't expect them to be in the college cup because it takes so many amazing things for that to happen, including one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the school, but. Uh, as to contend for the Big 12, absolutely. And they took second behind Texas in the championship game. Uh, but they fought to get four home games, and then it just worked out. And it's so great. Well, Michael we'll talk Zimmer- about that. Michael Zimmerman says, women's soccer, the corner kick from Mazingo was the best corner kick I've ever witnessed. It was a la Beckham. Yeah. She bent it like Beckham. And it was ridiculous. Yeah, that was something. Man, oh man! So, so uh, it's just been a it's been a phenomenal first year in the Big Twelve, and uh, we're eager to see where the two basketball teams go. We're eager to see what happens with baseball, um, softball. Softball is another contender. Baseball, you know what? That might take a while, but I'll tell you this: we thought basketball was going to take a while, and they haven't started Big Twelve play, and that's going to be as hard as advertised. But they come in gunslinging like they are. 
And with the Rock and the Marriott Center as it is, there's a chance for BYU to win many more games than anybody thought possible. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about why we think that, you know, and we recognize this preseason, but they've played San Diego State. And North Carolina State and Arizona State, who's not great, but North Carolina State is a solid ACC team. San Diego State is still ranked. And then since BYU's beating of San Diego State, San Diego State's gone out and looked like all of a top 20 team. Yeah. And 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 talked to Dutch after the game against San Diego State, who's a good friend and the head coach of San Diego State. And he was very complimentary about BYU, about their physicality and all that. So, yes, we, have, we are much more hopeful uh, about BYU basketball than we were a couple of months ago. Because of not just because they're winning, because of the way they're winning and the things they're doing, which makes us feel, both of us and all the people we talk to, a little bit better about how they'll compete in this league because of the makeup of this team and the way they're playing. Jonathan, Dave and Blaine, what up, guys? Listening from Henderson, Nevada. Love the show. Uh, Les, right in there with uh, hello, everyone from Chile, New Mexico. Hey, hey, Let's Les, go, is Cougs. It, is it just gorgeous, decorated up there in Santa Fe, Christmas time? If you haven't ever been to Santa Fe at Christmas time, if there's a blanket of snow there, with it is a magical city. I, so whenever I see Les and, and he logs in, I'm thinking, oh, man, Santa Fe at Christmas time. That's what I think. So good to have Les with us. All right, let's jump into the headlines. Uh, BYU replaces a couple of coaches. Uh, offensive line coach. Yeah, Daryl Funk. Daryl Funk and uh, tight ends coach Steve Clark dismissed from Kalani's staff. Uh, Steve's been here on the show. We love him. Uh, a lot of guys do. Um, but after a season where that offensive line, and that includes tight ends, um, was such a struggle that um, there is a change, and now that that's done, whether it's whether you're disappointed about it or not, what matters now is who's coming in yeah, to fix who, it. Who do they replace them with? And we don't know all of the details um, because it just happened so quickly. Um, hey, we're going to admit for for most of us the the uh, Steve Clark thing was kind of out, out of left field. Like I don't know that anybody expected that. There's a lot of talk about about replacing the offensive line coach. So. We don't know all the details. Eventually, that'll come out. We'll probably get them a little sooner than most, and we'll, we'll share that with you when we get it. But uh, um, you're right. So now that's happened. Um, I think when you see who replaces these guys, that may make more sense, right? Um, why why uh, um, do you also replace the, the tight ends coach? Well, let's see who they replace them with. And, you know, they say you don't get rid of people unless you have somebody in mind. All right. Yeah, we'll see. So let, let's see who Kalani and Aaron Roderick have in mind to replace those two uh, on that offensive line and, and as that tight ends coach. Neil from Tucson. Hey, Neil. Great to have you back on the Wise Guys. Joel asks, uh, Grimes for O-line? There's some little buzz online about Jeff Grimes coming back. It's not coming from anything other than the online buzz. Right. And, um, you know, he's been here and he left, and, and I guess he could come back. I don't think any... I, I don't know if he needs to come back. I, I don't know if I'd vote to have him back. We'll see what happens. Well, and, and remember, so he left. Aaron Roderick took over. He goes to Baylor. They have not. They've not succeeded no. on offense, and that's why. Like it's. It's not like um, he had this tremendous success as a coordinator down there, and now he's available, and, and BYU's going to pay him more and come back. Um, so I, I would think you would focus on getting somebody. Um, that's hot right now, that's been having success. 
I do think it'd be really good for Aaron Roderick to have an O-line coach that could be a run game coordinator and they can help him with play calling where they have a collaborative. He needs some help. Have a collaborative effort in the play calling. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see. And they, you know, those guys worked together before. It's just interesting to me that you know Grimes moved on, went to Baylor. They did not have success there at Baylor this last year, especially. It was miserable. He's been let go there. That all of a sudden everybody's clamoring. Um, and I think Jeff Grimes is a great offensive line coach. Um, I think he brings an edge to his coaching that would be really good for this offensive line. But I think you need to prioritize somebody that has great play calling experience that can add to that mix of play calling and be a really good balance for Aaron Roderick as they call plays together to have more success in in um, in the scheme that they run and sequencing of plays and all those types of things. Um, so is, is Grimes that guy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Much more football coming up with Harvey Longy in just a bit, and we'll kind of rehash Oak State when we when we have Harvey with us. Let's talk women's soccer real quick. Brad Robbins from Gentry is going to sit down with us here in a couple of minutes. Uh, BYU is twenty two and three mm-hmm. on the season in women's soccer. Those two losses, Texas in the Big Twelve Championship game, and somehow to Utah State, although they came back and got Utah State yeah, in the NCAA tournament. Because they could only park the bus in front of the goal one time up <laughs> yeah. there in Logan. No ties in the tournament. BYU rallied for four second-and-a-half goals to beat North Carolina in the snow, 4-3 to three in the Elite Eight over at Southfield. Arguably the greatest comeback in BYU sports history, considering what was riding on it and how improbable it is to score four goals in 30 minutes in any soccer to game. Score or three goals in less than 10 minutes. Let alone against North Carolina, one of the better defending teams in the country. Olivia Wade Katoa scored the game winner in the 89th minute, and history was, it was, it was amazing. It's, it's the it equi- still is. It's the equivalent of, of scoring 40 in the fourth quarter of a first football game. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the equivalent. Like, being down by 40 in the fourth quarter and coming back and winning, that's the equivalent. That's, that's why we're saying this may be the greatest comeback of any sport in history. Un- unbelievable. So what'd they get? They got Stanford in the College Cup, which is the final four of women's soccer Friday night in Cary, North Carolina. You can watch it at 630 Mountain Time on ESPNU. And the winner of that will play, play either Florida State or Clemson for the national championship. Yeah. I, hey, I like BYU's. Uh, Stanford's a phenomenal program, phenomenal team. Um, and But it's on, it's on a neutral field. And I love the way BYU plays so connective and they're so aggressive offensively. Sometimes they give up some goals, but they seem to be able to equalize those and and outscore opponents. So yeah, I just I have a good feeling about this BYU Stanford match. Second trip to the College Cup since 2021, when Florida State beat them on penalty kicks. It was zero zero. Then they go to penalty kicks. They could get a rematch with Florida State here in twenty twenty three. I'm kind of rooting for that, aren't you? Yeah, because I want yeah. some revenge chip on the shoulder factor coming into this thing. Stanford first, and then yeah, and then we'll one, see what's next. Are you next. telling me one game? You tell me to focus on one game. No, at because time? we can we can I'm say not focus playing. on the championship. I'm not playing, so I'm not worried about focusing no. on one game at a time. I'm thinking about the championship. It's just you got to get through that first one, and Stanford's tough. Uh, but it's, hey, these are the four best teams. That's right. That's what you get. Yep. Now it's whoever's got the mojo on a certain night or in a certain half. Yes. And, yeah. then, and then you move on. Speaking of mojo, men's hoops are 6-0. and uh, Number 19 in the AP Top 25. I wrote a big article about it at yeah, Deseret.com. Which I got, I got a chance to read. Great article, Dave. Uh, thank you. And, and the Big 12 is loaded in that Top 20. Goodness. Kansas is number 5. Houston is number 6. Baylor is number 9. So three in the Top 10. 
Texas is number 16. Uh, Oklahoma is at 25. Yeah, and you know what? We're playing all those guys. And this is, this is the thing. <laughs> if you play the way BYU is playing in the preseason, and let's say they're 10-1 and one or 11-0, and, oh, and then you go in and you're like 500 in this league, which, which the way they're playing, they got a chance. So if you're just kind of in the middle of the league, you're a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. When, when you were the runner-up in the WCC, there was a question of whether you were even getting in the tournament or not, and you were probably a high high seed. Yeah, right? and it won and done and, by and, the matchup. And, and a couple of times when St. Mary's, BYU, and Gonzaga were all three good, there you know there was some three talk, but typically in the WCC, if you're the number three team in that league, you have zero chance of getting to the tournament. You might not, not even make the NIT. And now no. here we're talking, you know, B- BYU and five other teams ranked, right? And you know, like I wrote, there, there's no uh, residency in the top 25. It's a timeshare. Right. There's no guarantee that, that BYU is going to be in it in a week or two weeks or three weeks. So you just love that you're in it now. Even Lenardi projects BYU as an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Are you kidding me? An eight seed? The, before mean, the season, we're is, like, this is, like, this is the team that has to make the biggest jump, jump because this is the best league in college basketball. And now we're all going... Hey, these guys look pretty good. <laughs> like, hey, maybe, maybe they compete in the middle of that league. So here's uh, Fusini Traore went down with a, a knee injury uh, last week in the Vegas showdown early in that North Carolina State game. Um, I, I can tell you this. There's nothing official from BYU, so this is nothing official official, but uh, he had his knee scoped today. And they went in to go and see what the status of the MCL is. Exploratory, right? And if it's it's torn, that's bad news. Mm -hmm. And if it's just slightly torn, then... Just strained. So I'm thinking that we're not going to see Foose until the Big 12. Yeah, a couple no weeks. matter what, a couple weeks at least. In the best case scenario, I think they'll sit him out the whole the whole month of December, um, and and then the worst case scenario is he could be out for the year. Yeah. But somebody knows that right now. We just don't know we, it yet. And we'll get that too as soon as we can. Yeah. Hey, the good news is that that as they've been trying to play Ali Khalifa back into shape, um, when when Foose went down, um, and when Atiki Ali Atiki had an incident where his hand accidentally hit somebody in the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, Imagine that. Just what a coincidence. Yeah. The hand just went the flying. Accidentally, he hit somebody in the face with there, a closed fist. Got um, tossed. So he wasn't going to play. And the, you know, had plans to take Ali Khalifa and kind of slowly bring him back because he came off an injury, non-weight-bearing for a while, and yeah. really needs to get back in shape. He looked great. Played a huge role his in His passing ability. So can he hold up? They out-rebounded NC State. By double digits. Yeah, can he hold up? Because he's a phenomenal passer. He can shoot the three. He rebounds. um, Because they're going to need him. And they're going to need him to stay on the floor while they don't have Foose. Fresno State on Friday night, 7 o'clock Mountain on ESPN+. And then the next really big test. And and we'll see him at the Marriott Center against Evansville. Yeah, you and I have that game. Evansville's got some guys with size. We'll see him Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And then they'll go up to Utah on Saturday night at the Huntsman Center. That could be their toughest game between now and... And uh, Cincinnati, once we get into yeah, January. Yeah, Utah's an interesting team because they got a lot of length. You know, it'll be an interesting matchup. They haven't really played a team just like Utah yet. They so. got St. Mary's last night, Utah did, and I think that's going to be a slugfest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can beat NC State on a neutral floor and you can beat San Diego State on your home floor, you can beat Utah and, and on their NCAA floor. And NC State's long uh, and athletic. Arizona State's crazy athletic. And Cougar fans and- are going to... Pound. They're going to go into that Huntsman Center because oh, tickets man. are all over the place. Uh, I liked that 
when they played Arizona State and Arizona State wanted to get all up in their face and be really physical and play up and down the floor, they played that. They played an ugly physical defensive game. Yeah. North Carolina State wanted to play more with size, more traditional, slower. They played that game. They're winning in different styles of play. San Diego State's this long, athletic, really great defensive team. They knuckle down and play defense and match them. The fact that they've played with multiple styles this year and won games is maybe the most impressive thing to me, and they are so willing to be physical. If you can shoot the three, and right now Waterman and company are shooting the three, yeah. you can shoot the three, you're in it. Michael Zimmerman says, to me, Waterman has been the biggest improvement. He's night and day. I agree with you, Michael. Like, yeah. he... He went from a guy that wanted to be on the perimeter and just shoot threes to a guy that's crashing the offensive glass, playing like out of this world defense, using his seven foot wingspan and six eleven height um, to guard. He's doing. He's playing like his hair's on fire every game, and I love it. He. I agree with you, Michael. I think he's the most improved player on this. And it's on crazy because he shaved his head, and yet he's playing like his yeah, hair's still, on fire. Yeah, like, well, you know what? He practiced like his hair was on fire because it was, and now he has no, no hair. hair. No hair. So there you go. Women's Hoops is 6-0. and They're receiving some votes in the AP Top 25. Beat LMU 74-58 back on Saturday. The most notable thing out of that one is Nani Fawatea made her season debut. She scored 11 points. She's been out with a knee. Freshman Kaylee Woolston, the Big 12 Freshman of the Week again. Yes. Second straight. 18 again. Week. And they're at Wyoming tonight. We've been we've called many games at Wyoming and Laramie. It's miserable there. Yeah. It is. Is. Even on nice days. Do you remember what Lavelle said in Sports Illustrated <laughs> when we lost up there? 1981, we went up there and lost in a sideways snow blizzard. Yeah. And then the quote of the week in Sports Illustrated, which was a big deal back in those days, he said, well, I'd rather lose and live in Provo than win and live in Laramie. <laughs> and they hated a BYU for no, the rest of the yeah. forever we, after we that. We lost some friends over there on that. I remember we were there with John Robinson and UNLV when we were calling their games. He's just like, let's just get on the bus and get let's out get of out here. Out of, I, we stayed one time up there, you and I calling a game. We stayed in the Howard Johnson's, which has oh, outside yeah. doors. I know. And at night I went to bed, and when I woke up in the morning, there was like a one-foot snowdrift inside my door. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, because there was no weather stripping on the bottom of the door, and the snow blew into my room at Look, night. Look, it was a that's truck Laramie, stop. Wyoming. I had someone knocking on my door in the middle of the night. That's now, that's right. very unsettling, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's right. what? And then they're like... I don't, it was from the from the hotel office or something. Anyway, it scared me. You to had death. people knocking at three in the morning. I had Come snow on. inside of my room. You know so. that's that's why we're that's why we're here tonight. That's right. Women's volleyball. They're now twenty four and six. 13 and 5, took third in the Big 12. It's tournament time now. They didn't have a conference tournament in the Big 12. So BYU is a four seed, and when you're a four seed, you get to host the first and second right. rounds. And there's no better place to host than the Smithfield House if you're the home team. Yeah, and so they start with Weber State, 7 p.m. on Friday. That'll be on ESPN+. And the winner plays the five-seed Arizona State Georgia winner on Saturday, and they'll advance to the Sweet 16. So there you go. Sweat West Virginia and TCU on the road last yeah, week. So that was a nice, nice week on the road. All right, the pregame show's over. Let's bring Come in, on in uh, Brad. Let's bring in our first guest. He is a graduate of the BYU Marriott School of Management, also a member of the popular singing trio Gentry. And the group kicked off the holidays over the weekend with its annual Christmas show at the Eccles Theater in Salt Lake City. It is our pleasure to welcome Brad Robbins to the Wise Guys. Uh, first of all, we're fortunate to have you here. But we love having another BYU fan in our midst. Oh, 100%, man. It's, uh, I'm a, a true blue cougar through and through, born and raised. Yeah. What, what is the best part about doing the Christmas show? 
Oh man, you're going to put me on the spot like that. Uh, by the way, we're going to do that for about 20 minutes. We're yeah. just coming at you with yeah. all kinds yeah. of things. It's just nonstop. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard It's hard to nail it down to just one. It is, it is such a rush. And from the very beginning, Christmas has been such a part of our history. I mean, yeah. we've been doing it for almost a decade. We've been, the Christmas tradition has been going on just about as long. And I think the thing that's most gratifying for me is just to see each year kind of take on its own kind of character of sorts. Like every show is different and getting to see so many people experience it for the first time. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, you came to our VIP reception yeah. before the oh, show. So awesome. I mean, we had probably 50% folks coming through that for the first time. And, and I would ask them like, how did you hear about the show? And they said, we've heard about it from so many other people. We had to come experience it for ourselves. Yeah. Well, uh, it President was, Oaks was there experiencing it for himself. Yeah, why did, I, I was hoping to see um, President Oaks in the Elder Oaks in the uh, um, in the VIP reception, but he wasn't there. But we saw a lot of other good folks there. Yeah, he likes that, to that, lay low. He, he did come. He did come. Oh, he just oh, came after kind of everybody cleared that, out. That makes <laughs> little sense. Little less chaotic. We, we have a long history with him from back <laughs> when he was the president of the university. But uh, you know, I saw people like Stephen Covey there, and you know who was there. Our old nemesis, but now our really good friend Scott Mitchell was in line with me when Scott we were there. Scott Mitchell was there, For, good. Former U, you know, I don't know who, who's the best Utah quarterback of all time. He, you could make an argument that Scott's the best quarterback of all time. I'd vote for him, which means we didn't have to vote for Alex Smith. True, so vote for no, Al, Alex was good. But I'm talking good. about in college, like he, he was pretty prolific under Jim Fossil, and then went to play yeah. with the with the Lions and was a starting quarterback in the NFL. Alex was too. It, it'd be between those two, right? Between Alex, but but he was there. There was a lot of fun folks that that were at this. And the Eccles Theater, first of all, the performance was phenomenal. Like, it Thank was you. amazing. And if, and, if, and I know, and we're going to talk about where you guys are going to be so people maybe can get a chance if they didn't, didn't get to see in the Eccles Center. Um, but set in that, that um, venue, that, it just seems like it fit there. Um, and the way you guys use the stage and the staging of it. And it, man, what's it like to be in the Eccles Center in a full house um, to perform. What's that feel like to be up there? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, we've performed all over the country. We performed parts of the world. And believe me when I say we have one of the most beautiful venues in the world in our backyard in Salt Lake City. The yeah. Eccles Theater is, I would put it up there with the Smith Center down in Vegas, which is iconic right. in its own right. I mean, it is a gorgeous facility. We're so lucky. And to get to call that home every Christmas, every year we go in there. In fact, there's always a moment when, you know, it's a union house, so when the, the stagehands, they take their break and everybody's off the stage. And I go out there for, you know, just a minute to just soak in the beauty of that venue. I mean, it's, it's I think, just under 2,500 seats. Uh, you've got that beautiful star ceiling that mm -hmm. comes on. You can bring that in. It's right in the heart of downtown. I mean, it, it's a magical experience yeah. even for us, and we never get tired of it. So when you're singing a song that everybody knows, does that make it harder or easier? Like Silent Night, for example. We all know how it's going to go. So how are you going to do it? Is there a lot of pressure in there? That's a good question. I have the luxury of, we, I should say, have the luxury of a phenomenal music director, composer, and arranger in Stephen Nelson. Oh, my goodness. Also Steve, a BYU grad, by the way. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. He, so he has put his musical brilliance into everything that we do. And, and simply put, and this is just his personality, he will not introduce an arrangement to us unless he has agonized over it for days, weeks, even months. I mean, that is the kind of thought this guy puts into these things. And I think that's part of the intrigue is that you, when you come to a show, 
there, well, yes, there's a few originals. We try to, you know, even, even cover some other, maybe more obscure things, but it's, it's all the classics, right? It's all holy night. It's, you know, God rest you merry gentlemen, but they're done in a way that you've never heard them before. Yeah. There's not a single, like you did all of the songs that I'd hoped you would do in terms of covers of the classic Christmas songs, but not one single song is done in an arrangement that you've ever heard before. And you sit there and you go, wow, I love this. And I love the thing that you guys do in the show. So Stephen, who's just a musical genius, right? Um, they go out into the audience and they say to somebody, hey, uh, we need two things from you. Like we need a, um, a theme from uh, like what, like a movie. Yeah, like a movie score, basically. Right? So at the show that I went to, um, they picked uh, um, The Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm like, I don't even know the Lord of the Rings theme song, right? Yeah. And then and then and then the other thing that they pick um is what was it? I'm trying to think of the second thing. So it would've it would have been a Christmas song. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of what they picked. Oh man, we did so many oh, shows no, last week. They did the remember. Justin Bieber. they, oh, they that picked was the Justin Bieber mistletoe song. That I'm was like, it. okay, that this is not gonna because what he's gonna do is he's gonna right there on the spot create a mashup. Of these two songs. And I'm like, wow, they just picked that and that? No way. And you can't believe how he put that together. Well, and the best part was he he had no idea what the Justin Bieber song was. So in the middle of the show, he pulls out his phone. He's listening to it up on he's YouTube. He's sitting up on the stage like this. In fact, he, he, he like <laughs> leans over to me while they're out chatting with the audience. Like, is this the right song? I'm like, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. And the, and, the, and the crowd just... When you're sitting in an audience and somebody's doing something and everybody just keeps looking at each other, like, can you believe this guy is pulling this off? Um, you know he's done something, right? It was it was pretty amazing. There's some dates in Idaho we'll talk about here in a minute for folks who can see uh, Gentry in their Christmas show. Before there was Gentry, however, um, there was you and your future wife, Shay, starting to date in the summer of 2011. Now, according to my calendar, that's right in the middle of Jimmermania. So what was that atmosphere like as a student dating your wife, Jimmermania, and did she appreciate Jimmermania as much as you did? <laughs> yeah, I can answer that in one word, and the answer is no. Uh, but I, on the other hand, loved it. In fact, I was at the game. Uh, I stood in line for the game, I should say, BYU versus San Diego State, right. Jimmer versus Kawhi Leonard, yeah. and was there to witness in person that victory. I think I was near the top of the arena, but I didn't care. I was there. I got to experience it live. And that will forever be one of the iconic moments of my BYU student experience. Yeah, the roof almost came off yeah. that night. I right think, it, I think it shifted <laughs> a little bit, for sure. Loose. I got to work that game, and <laughs> it's one of my favorite games ever because the, the atmosphere was just electric that night. As a student, though, during all of that on campus... Um, what do you remember? What made it so cool? I to remember you? it was it was electric, and you know, sports has always been a part of my life. Like I said, I grew up a BYU fan, and to see success at that level, something that had never, at least to my recollection, had happened in my lifetime, was was unbelievable. And then to get to be a student there at the university, it it, it was surreal. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, every time Jenner, Jimmer would touch the ball, it was uh, it was truly exciting. You know, um, by the way, Brad Gentry, Brad Robbins from Gentry is here with some of the wise guys tonight, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. We're so so glad to have you here with us, Brad. Before there was Shay, before there was Jimmer, um, you were a high school athlete. Um, Of of sorts, we'll say. Yeah, you competed (laughs) in sports, um, but you were also introduced to performing arts um, back in the day. 
Um, what are the similarities between competing at a high level in sports and, and the performing arts? Are there lessons and crossovers to be learned there? I, I was a better athlete because I was a performer and I was a better performer because I was an athlete. No question. I mean, just like anything. I mean, greatness demands the same, the, the same things, discipline, practice, rehearsal, and, and you're going to get it wrong a lot of times before you start to get it right. And I think the other thing is, uh, particularly performing in a trio or whether you're a part of any other kind of production, it is a team sport. I mean, you saw it firsthand at that show. Mm-hmm. I played my role, but the other guys on stage all played theirs. And, and without them, we're, we're nothing. And, and not only that, without the people behind the scenes and the months and months of planning to go into it, you know, the coaches, so to speak. I mean, not, nothing great can happen without all that. Do you remember back in high school, the first song you had to belt out on stage? And how did it go? You know, I do actually. So this, this week was actually a culmination of a, a, a lot of uh, previous experiences, we'll say. So my junior high choir teacher showed up at the VIP reception the night that you oh, were there. Oh, wow, yeah. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we always do a big give back concert. Yeah. And we bring in, I think this year we brought in folks from over a dozen different foundations and we honored educators of our past. And I honored my high school choir teacher who oh, gave nice. me a shot who, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the coach that sees something in you. You can't yeah. see in yourself. It's like, you know what? You're unproven, but I'm going to put you in and you're going to play a, a key role in this, in this production. And then uh, pr- before that week, even down at Tuacon, we had two shows down there and Randy Booth from BYU, the, the director of young ambassadors was there. Right. And to see all three of those teachers who have in, in so many significant ways altered the course and trajectory of my life, be there to see what their contribution has led to was so, so fulfilling. That's very so, cool. So what was the song? Man, the first song. So first I, song where you're in high school and your buddies on your teams are sitting out in the audience going, show me you can do this because we already know you can shoot baskets and catch touchdowns. So actually, I know exactly what it was. It was Les Mis. Les Mis. So oh. I was cast as Andre Ross and Les Mis as a sophomore in high school, and I was terrified that people <laughs> on my teams would find out. Sure. Because oh, you were trying then, to keep your two lives separate? 100%. Back then it wasn't a thing. It was not a thing. In fact, uh, I sat down with my, my high school choir teacher a few weeks ago, and I and I asked her about that. And she's like, you really, as far as our school went, pioneered a path that didn't really exist before. There were jocks yeah. and there were musicians, but the two did not really mix. And I specifically remember going from baseball practice to musical rehearsal and then one, one day coming back to practice and one of the, one of like the, the, the tougher you know, senior classmen being like, hey, I saw, I saw you in that show last night. And part of me was like, oh boy. Here we go. Yeah, what's he going to say now? This is where the hazing starts. You were high school musical before there was high school musical. And you know that what he was said? You. That's right. He's like, because that he played basketball and was in the musical. Yeah. Except he, he could dance. I can't dance. <laughs> so I, I just That's, find that awesome. Because so you're is right. It, is it when, now, nowadays, is it cool? Is that okay I, now? I think so. Can you cross over and do both in high school now? I, I think so. I mean, even even some of the guys that I played football with, some of their uh, younger siblings have gone on. In fact, uh, your daughter touring with Moulin Rouge. Right, Libs. Libby. Preston Taylor, a good friend of mine. Yeah, Preston. I love Preston. Preston. So I played football with his brother. Ah. And, and Preston, Preston is an athlete. I mean, he. I don't know that he played any organized sports, but I mean, he's fit. He, you know, he's athletic. His his older brother Lincoln was literally my quarterback, throwing me passes in high school. So he better be athletic because Preston was responsible for holding Libby in the air and throwing her around and catching her. And I always was like, 
These guys better be really good that are doing this. That's my little girl out there that they're throwing around in the air. And, uh, and, and I did think at many times, and we saw the show in multiple, in multiple spots, but I thought, these are some of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. Like the people in performing arts, um, these big-time dancers um, are phenomenal athletes, phenomenal athletes. So your message to the kids throughout the world is uh, play football and play the piano. Well, I wish I played the piano. Yeah, yeah it's my, but, one of my biggest do, regrets. But do Absolutely. it all, right? Do it all. And, and, do, do, and do what you love, right? Yeah. If you love to sing or you love to dance and you love football, there's no reason you can't do both of those, right? I remember as a ninth grader, um, so the first lead role I ever had, I played Harold Hill in The Music Man. Yes. So your Instagram post was very fitting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I had to do some research. There you go. <laughs> I remember walking on stage as the final character in The Curtain Call. And the, the theater just erupting in cheers. A lot of my friends were there yeah. and feeling that same euphoric feeling that I had felt, you know, hitting the game winning hit, um, scoring the game winning touchdown, whatever the case may be. I mean, it, it's, it's electric to be on stage. You know, I mean, people, it's what people joke about at office parties. They do karaoke so they could be a rock star for a few minutes and we get, we get to do that. And it's amazing. It really is. So you serve a church mission in Moscow. Uh, how vital or uh, what, what part of, of your mission did music um, what was that? How, how big of a deal was that as you went to speak to folks in different languages, but music is universal. You know, uh, a, a man said to me, a man, I say a man, it was Merrill Osmond. I did a show with yeah. him back in 2008 and I shared a dressing room with him actually. And he said, do you know why music is so powerful? And he looked at me and he said, it's because it has the power to bypass the conscious and speak directly to the subconscious. And when you're thousands of miles away, stumbling through a, a very, very difficult language, uh, talking about, you know, religion and, and things that are very personal to a lot of people. And in some cases, they frankly don't want to hear about yeah. or talk about. And you open your mouth and start to sing and start to express the feelings of your soul through music. It, it changes things. And I was very fortunate. I had a mission president who, who saw the value of music. And yeah. we actually did uh, a Christmas tour of, of the mission area, uh, put together a, a number of elders and sisters with, with nice. different musical talents. And, and it was, it was one of the most magical moments of those two years. I was in Russia for the Olympics, uh, in 2014 and w preparing this interview, Blaine and I with you brought this thought to my mind when we went to a Sochi branch. So we got out of Putin's ring of steel and got into the town and, and found this church. And it, it was like Mr. Toad's wild ride to get there. So we were just fascinated that we even got there, but we go up this old elevator and the door opens and I hear, um, the organ playing and I recognize the song. And, uh, there wasn't a soul in there that spoke English except for the two missionaries and us, everyone else was all Russian, but we all knew the song because, the organ was playing the music. And that's the first time in my life where I sat there and I go, that's universal. You know, we just saying, we thank the O God for a prophet in any country. The organ music is the same. And I just hadn't been in that setting before. And then I thought there's power in music. You know, there was a cool experience that I actually have, I haven't really talked about. Uh, very few people know this, but my mission president's son had just won some very prestigious classical piano competition. I couldn't even pretend to know what it was, but he was flown into Moscow and they rented out a beautiful theater and they just invited, you know, investigators and members and different things. And he played a free concert and keep in mind, I'm not a piano player. I, I appreciate classical music, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite, 
But from the very first note he started playing until the last note he played that night, I wasn't just captivated. I was, I was moved in a way that I've, I had never been moved before. And I remember specifically going home that night and writing down whatever I do in my life, I want to do it half as well as he just did that because of the impact it had on me. Yeah. It was, it was uh, an experience unlike any other. That's cool. It's, it's, um, uh, you, you and I talked this summer about you coming on the show. Um, and I was just like, Oh yeah, we have, we have to have Jan. But when we talked, we said, let's do it at Christmas time. Um, because I know you're going to kick off this kind of Christmas concert series. It'd be just a great time for us to kick off as a show, the holiday season. So we're just so thrilled. And, and if you, if you haven't heard Gentry, um, on YouTube, they, people can see your videos. They're all um, over YouTube. Yeah, they're, they're all over YouTube. They do a phenomenal job. And you do what you just described. Like, I felt the other night, like, okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready for the Christmas season. I just went to this concert. I was kind of into football season. Um, and with all that's going on with our sports, the crossover season, football and basketball, I hadn't even thought about Christmas, but I came the other night. And I'm like, I came out of there. I'm like... Yes, I'm, I'm focused on the Christmas season. I'm focused on Christ right now. Um, how, how important is that uh, to the mission and, and the goals that you guys have as you come into this holiday season to leave people with that? Yes, I'm, I'm ready. In my heart now, I'm ready for the Christmas season. It, it's everything. You know, people ask me a lot, like, don't you hate touring through the Christmas season? Isn't that just awful? And you know, I think the initial reaction would be, well, yeah, like you're on the road, you're away from family. And then I stopped one day and I realized, no, it's the best job in the world. I get to celebrate Christmas consciously, intentionally, probably more than most people do maybe in a lifetime. I mean, every time we step out on stage, we're, we're, we're bringing that spirit of Christmas through music. And I, I can't recall a single performance where any one of the four of us didn't just look forward to it. You got a commitment. We promised to have you out of here in about 20 minutes from 20 minutes ago. So we're going to hit you up with five questions real quick. I do want to make mention before we do that, uh, uh, Stadium of Fire 2015, you sang in front of 45,000 people. Is that the biggest stage that you've been on? You know, it it actually has been up since then. So two years ago, we performed the national anthem for the the Cardinals and the Texans. And funny enough... So our, our last show on the road this year, December 16th, will be in Mesa, Arizona. The next day, the Cardinals play the Niners, and we'll be at that game singing again. Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. Cool. That'll I've, get I've you over went, 45. I, I've played in front of 80-plus <laughs> thousand. I just feel like it's so different. I'm in a helmet in my own little world, in my uniform. Nobody can see me. You guys are just out there. And it's you, and they can see you. For me, for me, that's just so much more intimidating than when he can hide behind a helmet. Yeah, but you guys so. are good. Brad Gentry, Brad Robbins of Gentry with us. What's next for you and your family? So we are expecting a little girl. Yes. Oh, actually, a li- I, should, I, should, I said little girl. We have a little girl. We're expecting another baby. We don't know yet. You don't oh, know okay. yet. No, no. That, wasn't that wasn't an announcement. That wasn't an announcement. I was like, I oh, know does yet. Shane know this? <laughs> She's like, I thought you weren't going to say anything. <laughs> we haven't even told my parents. No. So, and, so. And, and you guys as a group, so it's awesome. So this will be number two for, for you be number and two. Shay. And Shay's also a performing artist yeah. as well and does a lot of commercial work and film work here locally, which is just great. These guys are a powerhouse uh, entertainment family. And I'm sure the kids will maybe fall in love with it too, which will be great. Um, you mentioned the other night on the show, that you guys have a, an Easter, like a new album that's coming and a tour. Just really quickly tell us about that because we know you got to get moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually I have a couple minutes, so we're okay, okay on time. Okay. So we head to Idaho Falls, Boise this next week. Right. We'll be doing a few shows up in Logan. 
there at the Eccles Theater on Main Street up there. And then, as I mentioned, we go down to, to Mesa, Arizona, the Mesa Arts Center. On the 16th. Um, on the right. 16th, yeah. And then from there, looking forward, this spring, we're going to be starting a new holiday tradition, an Easter concert tradition. So one of our most beloved albums outside of our, our traditional Christmas music has been our sacred music. Mm-hmm. And we did an album back in 2018, uh, kind of as a passion project, just something we wanted to do for a while. And it was so well received, we've decided to do another one. So in fact, tomorrow morning, I have another recording session working on this new hymns album and we're going to bring it all together live very different from what you saw and experience it'll be a full 60 plus piece orchestra 100 plus voice choir that'll be up there and and i think this sacred music will be done in a way that we haven't experienced quite yet it's going to be a cool a cool thing and is there going to be are you going to do so you'll do performances around easter that go with this then right yeah we'll do two up in salt lake city same venue echoes theater Mm -hmm. and then we're going to take it up to logan for a couple of shows as well so cool one thing you've never done is done five questions. Yeah. And that's about to happen. It's, Are it's you a, ready? It's a I'm wise ready. guy's Bring thing. it on. Okay. Bring it on. Your favorite sports movie? It's got to be Remember the Titans. Titans. See, that that's is the, one. I think it's the most popular. It's mine. It's Gavin's. Your favorites? I like Hoosiers. Yeah. I, the Hoosiers, but Hoosiers, Titans, Rocky, we've had some great Yeah, there's, there's, there's something great. about Denzel's, you know, oh, hype speech. So you yeah. can't good. beat that. <laughs> so good. And he holds the ball up with that broken finger, which gives him legit, you know, he's legit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So your favorite singer or band? Ooh, favorite singer or band? You know, it depends. Uh, time and place. I'm going to say, uh, I'll go Imagine Dragons on this one. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm okay with that. Dan, yeah. uh, Dan, Dave and I know Dan pretty good. They're on so, the radio all the time. Yeah, yeah they're, they're doing something right so in the music He stood on the sideline with us at the uh, Arizona game a couple years ago down in Vegas. It was really fun. He and Danny Ainge together. Oh, that's awesome. He was telling us he was a huge Danny Ainge fan, fan growing up. Well, Dan, Dan, if, Danny if you're listening, we're, we're ready for our collab. There you go. <laughs> um, favorite breakfast cereal? Ooh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Okay. That's a great one. Favorite Christmas song to sing? Oh, Holy Night, hands down. Oh, really? That's the one. That's I the thought moment. it might be Silent Night, but it's Oh, Holy was, Night. Th- that was called the Honor Solo when I, when I was growing up in high school in choir. I was in concert choir, and we sang that one to close the Christmas concert every year. So I can, I can come is up that, on stage and just belt it with you. Is that because you have to hit the high notes in that one? Well, no. So I, I'm usually on the bottom in the, in the triad, that, yeah. that, the chord. So, no, it's, there's just something about, again, back to BYU alum Steven Nelson. There's something about the way he's arranged that song that is, that is uh, to put it lightly, transcendent. Yeah. And, and I, I, I've never experienced something like that. Usually, like, you're able to kind of disassociate yourself while you're singing. But, like, it's hard not to just get wrapped up in that moment. Mm. Every time. It's classic. Yeah. Okay, now your favorite BYU memory. It could be anything. So I'll put Jimmermania aside for a right, minute because yeah. that was obviously amazing. The other, I was thinking about this actually coming into here. Uh, the other amazing experience I had was um, Max Hall to Andrew George in overtime. Oh, 2009. Yes. I was in the south end zone and watched that happen. Yeah. And then we went into the, the, the long, dark... Yeah. Did you charge Down. the field? Of Did course. You, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we need to get Drew on the, we need to get Andrew on the show. We've had him on. Has Andrew been on the show? Yeah, yeah. Do we need to have him bring his guitar? Well, he's in Colorado. Because so he can do, like, Andrew can do Jack Johnson better than Jack Johnson. Oh, amazing. He's an excellent guitarist and he can really sing. So see, he's, he's doing that athlete musician yep. thing. In fact, yeah. speaking of football, I told my father-in-law, I would shout him out here. So fun fact, you played against my father-in-law and his what? brother. In college. Where did they play? So they were up at Utah State. They were D linemen, early 80s, mid 80s. Oh, wow. Shout out Jeff and Brian Hunsaker. That's awesome. So, yeah, and they were, and I have to say, back in those days, 
No, you know, they were way better than Utah. Utah State was a much bigger rival to us because they competed and were good. Um, they're putting people in the NFL, and, and and Utah wasn't good. We we beat the crap out of them back in the early '80s. Um, now they're really good now, but back back then, Utah State that was our rival. Back our, in hey, days. our producer Jack has posted "Oh Holy Night" by Gentry. Oh yes, you guys, there's, there's, there's your link everybody. to it. So um, we should make you sing because um, you were in Young Ambassadors, right? Um, we should make you sing "Sometimes Not Often Enough." We reflect upon the good things. Did you guys used to sing that at the end? You know, I remember hearing it, but after that's hearing that's you Randy's sing it, thing. I don't think it should be, I don't think anyone should be singing <laughs> no. it, but Blaine here. So we always sing something on the show. But, but so back in like 1979, the Young Ambassadors back then called the Sounds of Freedom came through my hometown in New York. And we had a couple of them stay with us. Um, my sister, Lori, was in Young Ambassadors back in the old days, and they sang that song then. And I saw them like 10 years later, and they sang that song then. They sang it to the people that they stayed with before they got in the bus back in those days. And, uh, and Gail Lockwood was retiring from the program, and Randy got up on the stage and just stood up and played it, and he sang that song, and it brought back amazing memories. So you guys didn't sing that at the end of year when you left back no, in the No, we days. were, gosh... I mean, I can't even remember what we sang, but, you know, speaking of Randy, I mean, you talk about BYU legends. Oh, my goodness. There's a guy, I mean, since 1970, put in everything he had into this university. And, yeah. I mean, I can't even fathom the, the millions of lives across the world that were impacted because of his choice to get into music. Yeah, Randy Booth, amazing, amazing human. You can catch the Gentry Christmas show in Idaho Falls on Saturday and Boise on December 5th. In Arizona, we got a lot of folks on the live stream in Arizona, in Mesa on December 16th. Give our best to Casey, Bradley, and Stephen, the, uh, the uh, foursome uh, with the trio of uh, Gentry. Well, hey, we're proud of you. Thanks, guys. It's been it's fun so, to be on. It's so fun to have you on. Will you come back? We'll come back in the, in the summer when you're hanging around. Come 100%, back 100%. All right. And next time we'll bring your guitar. Yeah, or, I'll bring guitar. I'll, I'll bring the guitar and I'll company. We'll play I'll company Brad. And he can, he can <laughs> sing. Like I brought it last week and accompanied Libby, and she sang a few things. So, And our love to, to Shay, and congratulations on the baby. Our Libby that we had on last week is friends with Shay, and they're uh, um, so... And, and give her our love and tell her thanks for sharing you with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on this. Enjoy awesome. Idaho. And, and by the way, it's the same temperature in Idaho as it is yeah, here, it is. so it'll, it'll be just perfect for yeah, you. Great. great Christmas show coming to Idaho Falls on Saturday. Thanks. Brad Robbins of Gentry. Next week, David Nixon and Doug Wilkes, the editor of the Deseret News, uh, is going to be with us. Bronson Kafusi and later in the month, Ross Apo. Uh, right in the heart of the uh, transfer portal and his business is all about the transfer portal and uh, man what an amazing talent here on the show tonight oh yeah with, uh, with brad robbins let's do our cougar board question of the week before we bring in harvey sure. longy um if you're not familiar with cougar board it's the largest online community of byu fans with thousands of posts daily and there you see us we're on cougar board now with a lot of stuff and um if zach gets traded from the jets we'll do another photo shoot so I won't have a New York Jets. Oh no, no. We the only on reason there. I even let him wear that hideous shirt was because Zach's with the Jets. Yeah, and we're not we're Zach fans, we're not Jets I, fans. I found myself very conflicted growing up in New York as a Giants guy when Zach went to the Jets, but I, I you know, I lowered my standards and I said I would root for the Jets. You got the shirt. Um, we're all in. But I still believe, he's out. even now, I still believe it's the worst run organization in professional sports. Yeah. So there so you go. Here comes our question from one of the insider subscribers on the Cougar board, El Jeffy. Uh, why are we so bad in the second half? 
when we're leading at the half? Is the other team making halftime adjustments while we go conservative? This has happened repeatedly. Is it something we can fix next year, or do you expect A-Rod to continue to be too conservative in those situations? I can tell you, El Jefe, that more people are thinking about your question than just about any other question coming out of the second half of the Oklahoma State game. So, Blaine, you take a whack at it, and then we'll have Harvey chime in yeah, as Harvey's well. Yeah, going to help us with the question. And, here, and here's the thing. I have the same question. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is not an easy question, but it's a very, very good question, El Jefe. And it's... Uh, I think it's El Jefe. It, oh, it's El Jefe? El Jefe. Okay, let's, El Jefe. Let's go El that's, Jefe. That, that's almost like, like boss. That's yeah. Like, that's boss. By the way, this is my, this is my guy right here. Yeah. My protector. Like whenever, If I'm any place with Harvey, I just don't worry. Because nobody's nor, messing. Nor should you. Nobody's messing nor, with no me. Messing but, with so we'll, we'll go El Jefe based on Harvey's recommendation. <laughs> um, I do think it's it's a combination of things. I do think that, that teams make some adjustments, and we've been slow to adjust. But it's it's like last week was more concerning because I feel like BYU, BYU went out, and whether it's conscious or subconscious, kind of like, okay, the one thing we can't do is turn the ball over in this half. And when you have that mindset that the one thing we can't do is turn the ball over, you just start to, to call things that are more conservative. Um, when you don't completely trust your quarterback not to turn it over, which I, I think, you know, this new quarterback, he's young. Yeah. You, you don't trust him not to turn it over yet. I'm not saying that that's not going to change. In fact, it will change. There was a time that I didn't trust John Beck not to turn it over. But by the time John Beck was a junior and senior, I thought he handled the ball and took care of the ball as good as anybody that's ever played here. But early in his career, I was like, if this guy can't start taking care of the ball, he can't play. Well, as dynamic as Retzloff is, he turns the ball over, and he has consistently turned the ball over. I think that that has the biggest impact. And like I said, I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious. I think there's a conscious thing that says, Wait a minute, we're up 24-6. Let's do the math. If we can just take care of the football. So now you start, maybe it's subconsciously calling plays that are more conservative to protect the football. The problem is, in this league, the teams are too good offensively to get away with that. Yeah, You can't not score. And, and I was looking, I broke down every single drive as you and I were, you know, during the game, after the game, for our show tonight, the After Further Review show that we did tonight. And, and in that second half... BYU goes three-place punt, five-place punt, three-place punt, three-place punt, six-place punt, three-place punt. They never crossed the 44-yard line, their own 44-yard line, until they got the ball back after the blocked extra point, which gave them a glimmer of hope. They got really aggressive, and in 54 seconds, threw the ball down the field. That's the first time they crossed the 44-yard line in the entire second half, and they went and got that field goal and took it into overtime and then into double overtime. So the answer, you know, to agree, like, is this too conservative in the second half? Yeah. Is three five three three six three all punts too conservative? Yeah. It absolutely is. And so they've they've got to figure out can it be fixed? I think when you go out and you look for a new offensive line coach, you want to have someone that will have influence on on play calling. Somebody that's been a play caller that can add. Fessy's been a play caller. He adds his you know his two cents to these things. Um, I I think. On this whole line, you would like to have somebody that's had some play call responsibility that understands the game that can also have influence. And maybe when things get tight, can help loosen things up. So you need an experienced person that's called plays 
to coach this offensive line that can help Aaron Roderick. So in the second half, they recognize when there's things they need to do with a little bit more of the foot on the gas to keep them out in front in this league. Our next guest played linebacker, defensive end, running back, and kick returner at BYU. All that between 2014 and 2016. Spent six seasons in the NFL. He and his wife Cassidy are also survivors of the story of heartbreak and tender mercies. We're going to talk about a lot of it tonight. It's our pleasure to welcome Harvey Longy to the Wise Guys. And Harvey, let's just piggyback off that question and answer that Blaine um, was talking about why does a team and you've been on a bunch of teams you go into the locker room one way and you come out a different team in the second half sometimes for better and sometimes for worse what is the psychological thing that goes on at halftime if no one believes that Blaine did not just dissect it you come and check out his paperwork over here right, guys? <laughs> he's, it, he's it looks like it. He's, he's studying for his finals for his senior well, year if, if here. You want to know, if you want to know what Oklahoma State did in the second half, <laughs> six so, drives, yeah. three scores. But but BYU did get three stops in the yeah. second half. That's enough to win the game when you're up 24-6. 100%. Should be. So. But I almost want to – I look at it as, you know, as a parent. You know, you almost want to always put the blame on, like, you know, if any of my kids ever do anything bad, I want to put the blame on me. You know, and when you come out conservative, it's almost the coach is saying – we if if we just come out conservative, if anything goes bad, it's on us. And when and if that's the case, then it comes back to trust. And if it comes back to trust, and you not trusting your players, and say there's some players out there that are that haven't got the reps or that are not starters, or you know, Jake had to come in um, a little bit half um, past half. Um, whoa, no, towards the end of the season. Yeah, last four games. And so the trust is not there. So then, where do you? earn that trust well it goes all the way back to are we are we developing a program and an organization at practice where you can trust your second and third string guys you know depth is huge in yeah. the nfl being an undrafted guy i've i i use practice like it's a game every day it's a game to me you know i'm taping up my fingers yeah. i'm i'm doing everything to a routine where like i'm thinking oh i'm going out there to play a game because i'm trying to earn a spot and not only when I prepare myself like that and I go out and practice like that, I earn the trust to the coaches that if anyone goes down or anyone needs a breather, oh, throw number 52 in or 56 in or 40. You know, I had a bunch of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> throw them in because we trust him. We yeah. know that he can go out there and do exactly that because I showed within the program and the organization that was built upon if it was, you know, the Patriots, the Jets, or just being in the NFL – um, that that's the way you work. So maybe we got to look at it as, all right, if we're being so conservative, which we have 100%, there's no way you can't, you want to argue, come yeah. come to this table and you're going to lose, <laughs> you know, with me seeing these papers over here. You're, you're not going <laughs> well, to win this argument. But we all watched the game. We all saw it. Yeah. It's like, come on. And, and the game shows itself. You know, stats are stats, facts are facts. And, you know, we're calling ace a ace. I mean, a spade a spade. And... They're coming out conservative, and I think it's because Kalani and the and the coaching staff want to take the blame. They do not want to put any of the blame upon Jake and the team right at that point. Um, and turnovers were huge, a hundred percent. If if you are turning over the ball two plus times consistently on a day on a game basis, then of course they're going to be super conservative and say, well. We came out there and ran the ball for three downs, even though we got negative yards every three downs. But guess what? We didn't turn over the ball. And, 
you know, that's on us. That was our play calling. And they want to almost just take the blame instead of taking the leash off the dog and, and let him go. Let him go. The first half kind of let him go. Second yeah, and, half. And, and the interesting thing in that second half of this game was, um, I can't remember, I, and I wrote it down, but there was like four straight series, at least four straight series, where they came out and they threw the ball on first down incomplete. And then they followed it up with a run on second and 10. And the tendency this season and last season on second and longer than nine is crazy tilted to run. Um, BYU rarely throws the football on second and long. It's gotten, it's gotten so the defenses now load up on second and long and go, guys, they have this tendency to really run the football. I mean, we have to be ready to play the pass, but let's play man and be aggressive yep. because our chances are that they're going to run the football. And BYU is really ineffective running the ball on second down. So if you don't get production on first down and then you run it on second down when they're expecting you to run it, what, what happens is you have a ton of third and longs. And Alabama doesn't convert a high rate of third and tens. It's no. tough. Georgia doesn't convert a bunch of third and tens. Third and ten is hard. So what you do is you keep yourself out of third and ten by being really effective on first and second. So BYU in that first half, running downhill with Aiden Robbins, did a really good job. I would have loved to have seen some downhill run on first down in the second half to get four or five yards on first down. Because guess what? On second and five or second and six, Oklahoma State has no idea what you're doing. Yeah, You're not predictable on second. And you're ahead of the chains. Because you can run it and get three. And now you've got a third and three. And now they have no idea what you're doing on third and three because you can run or pass. Or you throw the ball on second and six because they're just having to play straight up because they don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, and And so production on first down this year... Um, has, has been poor. Now, early in the season, it was they couldn't run it on first down. They were really struggling because they weren't blocking well. But in, in, in this last game, it was so weird because they were running the ball really effectively in the first half, but chose to come out and throw on a bunch of first downs all incompletes in, in that second half. It was it was just like, whoa. Like, and, and I feel a little bit for Aaron Roderick because I think he was thinking, I want to be aggressive. We're going to throw it on first. But I'm like, well, maybe not. not maybe not here. Yeah. So right. as you watch that, Harvey, what do you think? Exactly what, what you just said. What I, when you were just going off on first and second down, to break it even down even a little bit more. So P and 10, that's first down of the very first series of the very first half or the very first um, play of the game. That's a P and 10. So right when the, the offense comes out, their very first play, that's a PN10 um, down that the defense and offense calls. PN10 is a type of um, play or a type of time where you can run anything from pass to run. Usually you want to run your best play to just get guys motivated. You know, a quick slant here, a quick throw, a, your best downhill run just to get everyone moving and grooving. Your first down and 10, so say you get a first down and you have a first and 10, that is where you go to your best run usually. Yeah, it goes to your first. So that's when a lot of people just rush to the line, hurry run it, up, and yeah. hurry up and run your first, your your best downhill run. So if if you if you struggle on first and ten or P and ten, and you start to get these these tendencies that Blaine is saying, you become super predictable. So then, all right, we know they're going to come out and try to pass on first and ten all the time. We know this tendency. All right, well, guess what? We're going to drop eight, or we're going to bring a simulated pressure and act like we're coming, but we're really still dropping seven. 
And we get them to second and long, and guess what they do in second and long? We're, they're going to run the ball. We pack the box. You get this tendency, and in the NFL, we do not like third and longs. You want third and manageables. Yeah. And if you don't even get to third down because you're so effective in first and second down, then you know oh, your offense is better. Rolling. No third yeah. downs is the best thing ever. 100%. <laughs> so exactly what Blaine is saying is that uh, the key word that he was saying is first and second downs are key to our success in the future in the offense. And especially on our PN10s, our PN10s is the very first spark of how your offense is going to roll that series. And if you don't run a perfect, not even a perfect, but a play that can get everyone moving and grooving and motivated on that PN10 play, usually the PN10 play is the play that, you know, we struggled even at practice, the defense to stop. And you get that play going and get everyone moving on the offense. And then, you know, I, things are I, rolling. I love, I love what Harvey's saying. I analysis. love what he's saying. I, I love... First drive of the first half, first drive of the second half, the very first play call needs to be a play that you 99% of the time get at least five yards on. Yeah. Because yeah. it just starts everything off right. And, and, and if that's yep. a quick throw like you're talking about, like a slant or it's a screen, or or if you are so good at running the ball that you don't never get less than four yards on this particular run, that's what you run on those. Yeah, and everyone might know it's coming, but guess what? Can't You're, stop it. Yep, you can't stop it. And those yeah, are the so, ones so that you just get you know so frustrated as a defense. What's tough on those downs are drop back mid-range throws. Yeah. They're not high percentage throws. Like downfield throws are not nope. on those first drives. Nope. Um, you know, it, it's it's you've, you've got to be successful. First drive of the first half, first drive of the second half. Look what Oklahoma State did. Like they came out. And went hurry up to start the game. And BYU was on his heels. Now, thank goodness for BYU, they adjusted the speed a little bit. And then they finally stopped him when they adjusted and held him to a field goal, which was miraculous. Mm -hmm. BYU comes out and fumbles the ball on the first drive and gives him the ball on the 18-yard line. And the defense held and held him to a field goal. That yeah. was a victory. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like that next drive was the other. And then guess what? The offense answered in that first half. Um, but in the second half... They never stayed ahead of the chains. And when no. you don't stay ahead of the chains, it's hard to move the chains. Uh, when we're not produ productive on first down, um, it's hard to stay ahead in the game. And then you have three and out, three and out, five and out, six and out. And then your defense gets worn down. And then they can't stop the run, especially with the nation's leading rusher out yeah. there. And so, you just become predictable. Yep. And that was tough. It was yeah. fun to have Harvey as a, a guest analyst with us on game day during the season. Uh, so now here you are as a former player behind the desk with a microphone on analyzing current players. How different was that for you? Oh, it was, it was so different, but to be at the table with the guys that, you know, you, we have doing um, sports nation and the, uh, the pre-show and the post game show, I couldn't have, you know, asked for a better team to be a part of. So y'all, y'all brought me in. They didn't haze me too much. You know, I didn't have to go grab everyone's food. I didn't have to go make sure everyone's seats were warm Listen, or anything like we that. We never haze the biggest people, you <laughs> no. know, and, and you and Nixon, we don't haze Nixon either, though. We give him a hard time, but David Nixon, Brian Logan, Blaine, myself, and, uh, and you, and, and um, that was our game day crew for a couple of games. And I, I thought you brought a, a, an insight that only you can bring, which is what's great is, is is the guys that go in the NFL have such a different experience come back and and now you know you want BYU to win but you want your linebackers to be in position and and yeah. do all that stuff and so to analyze that on TV it's a little different right when you got different. ten seconds to do all that yeah it's you have to be effective but you also can't let I I'm super emotional when it comes to football as you guys can see you know <laughs> mm -hmm. I, then. I, 
a lot of the times, you know, the earpieces tell me, hey, move your you know, mic closer because I almost want to keep it a little bit further because I yell. You know, I just have a loud voice. I'm like, oh. So I, I, I realized that emotions can't really take, you know, full control. You know, your emotions can bring, you know, who I am to the table. But um, speaking the facts and also speaking what I see with my perspective is what really, you know, I tried to, to do after seeing, you know, y'all do it and it was it was a fun time it's it's interesting to have um and we don't have that on this show right but but all of our studio shows that we do you have an ifb in your ear and somebody's talking to you while you're talking oh, that was a whole different so, now we've been doing it for 30 years so it doesn't even phase us in fact most of the time we don't even listen to those guys don't know <laughs> we just like yeah whatever this is our show but but how was that for the first time to be talking and have somebody because we just take it for granted now to listen and do that because we get practiced at because we've been doing it for so long. But for somebody doing it for the first time, is that weird? And how did you manage that? I couldn't manage it at first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the, you know, in the NFL, you get 15 seconds and he's out. And having the producer straight in my ear throughout the whole thing, that just, you know, I would have exactly what I wanted to say and all that. And all of a sudden, boom, hey, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Right? I'm like, wait, hold on, who's talking? Wait, are you talking? No, he's talking. And I'd like try to look at the camera, trying to keep it all together. And all of a sudden I'm like blabbering my words and then below and Nixon are like, well, Harvey was trying to say it. I'm like, thank you guys. <laughs> I like you're you know. great. What, you. What, this debut season in the Big 12, did it leave you frustrated or more hopeful for better days ahead? Um, I'm frustrated, but of course I'm going to be hopeful being biased to, you know, BYU of hundred percent. And I'm always hopeful. That's, that's a, you know, a gimme, but there's a lot of things that they got to take care of. And it's, you can talk about, Oh, it's tough to get recruiting here. It's tough to get coaches here. They don't pay as much as this, that, well, guess what guys, they've done it in the past. We can still do it now. Yeah. And guess what we have now? We have a lot of better equipment, technology. There's more money, more money. So I'm super hopeful. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful in the fact to, um, the, you know, Kalani and all them and the rest of the coaches and for BYU to, understand that hey we were you know in the independent when we were independent everyone knew to when you're going against BYU this is not a week off and we always had that on our chest you know when you're in the Mountain West and all that everyone knew BYU is a big dog yeah. now you go into a park where there's a lot of big dogs and now you're starting to understand like holy smokes like this ain't a walk in a park to win. It's almost like, you know, in the NFL, we all say winning's hard. Yeah. And that's all we want to do is win. And, and everything we do in this organization is for us to win. And now we can't, we can't take things lightly coming down to nutrition, to, to working out, to unity. A cool perspective or uh, insight that I tell everyone is that BYU is the most diverse team in, in all of college sports and, and all of the other colleges. And people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, you got to think about it. We have, it's first off, a, um, it's owned by L the LDS. So you have return mission. You have LDS, non-LDS. Right. You have those that go on a mission. You have those that don't go on a mission. You have those that are married and those that aren't married. You have those that are married with kids and that those are armored. So all these different groups hang out with each other. Yeah. So you got to understand there's these walls and little cliques. And the best teams, I feel like, break all those walls down. And it's tough to do that because, you know, when I got there, I was single at first, so I hung out with all the single return missionaries who are Polynesian. Then you have the races, you know, poly, black, white. There's so many d different walls. Yeah. 
And, you know, I was Polynesian, single. I hung out with the Polynesian who were single. Of course, yeah, I hung out with, you know, the other, you know, the other guys and all that. And then I got married. Then I hung out the the young, married, newlywed um, But group. not the married with kids group. <laughs> no, not the married, not the married with, kids with kids group. group yeah. And I didn't marry, I didn't hang out with my, my single poly guys and yeah. my single white guys. and black, black, I, I just separated myself. And then eventually it came down to when Jamal Williams and Taysom and Kai and I, when we we're all captains, we looked at each other. We had a meeting. We're like, yo, we got to break all these down. Kai, you're going to go to dinner with uh, the O-line. Harvey, you're taking the DBs out to, you know, and we just started breaking it down, you yeah. know, and Taysom, you're going to do this. And that's, that's when the teams become special. So I truly believe you can talk X's and O's and recruiting and try to get five stars and, you know, get the best coaches here. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to the team having a goal together and wanting to do it together. And that's the hardest. BYU is one of the hardest places to do that in the whole country. And I truly believe that. There's insight. You're not going to get any place. It's no. just like that is such an, an insightful observation having been there. Um, and that is another thing that's very unique about BYU. Yeah. Like where, where else do you have married players, married players, not married players, married players with kids, married players with not with kids. Like there, it's, it's it goes on and on. It's, I, it's, we it, really even broke. Is, it is really yeah. easy. I remember when when we were playing Michigan in the Holiday Bowl a number of years ago. Actually, we were playing for the national championship. We we're at the party the night before, and and uh, uh, one of the Michigan players said, uh, "Hey guys, like, what's with all the kids?" And we go, "Oh yeah, we." They go, "They let you bring your kids?" And we go, "Yeah, we have like forty something married players. We have like thirty one players that have kids. They're like, oh, we got players with kids. We just don't have anybody married." <laughs> on the team and like and so we can't bring them and and nobody's nobody's married so we didn't bring our girlfriend we can bring our girlfriend and they were just like so blown away that we were at a ball game and there's all these married players with kids they just couldn't even comprehend that that's not like any place else in the country is it yeah so i'm i'm super hopeful and i do know of course they're you know, probably taking a break now and all that, but they're going to come back to the drawing boards and they're going to come with a, hopefully a better plan and, and I hope they just execute it. But I just truly hope the players understand it's all up to them to break those walls down. Yeah. So so if there's if there's a one or two things that, and now you've watched them the first year in the Big 12, much better competition, 10 P5s in a row. No BYU team's ever done that. What did they learn about themselves and what did you learn where you go, okay, this has to get dramatically better. And I'm talking about outside of the unity. I think that's the underlying theme. Yeah. But on the field, what two areas do they need to improve the most to compete for a championship in that league? The quarterback position. I I did say that, um, you know, the linebackers are the heart of the team. Well, Dixon says that all the time. Yeah, and I always tell him the most important position in any team sport of any kind is the quarterback. And then position. Brian gets into the DBs. That's, yeah, that's how it goes. So I want to hundred percent say the quarterback position. We need to, yeah. we need to rebuild and we need to focus on, on getting the quarterbacks up to where BYU. So I had this conversation the other day. When you come to BYU, what do you like? When I watch BYU, I hear about BYU when I was a little kid, all the way up, you always knew they had giants at O-line. You knew they had a baller at tight end. You knew they had a baller at, at running back. And then you knew they had a star at quarterback. Hey, a bonafide yeah. NFL guy. You know, you always knew. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, when people talk about BYU, B, the quarterback is always the top person they talk about. And of course that's main places, but just as a BYU. Sure you know, um, fan growing up and playing there. So they need to 
reevaluate that room, understand that the culture of all the past quarterbacks that have been there uh, need to come back. And that's the culture and that's the standard. And we can't go below that standard. And that's the standard that, that fuels the team. And that's the standard that fuels the, the rock, that fuels the, the fans, it fuels yeah. Cosmo, all the way to the cheerleading. That's the number one motivation and, and the, the fuel for the team. And then second off is being a, being a linebacker, I almost wanted to say, you know, like our edges and all that, but it comes down to the trenches. So my, you know, we have weapons on, you know, we have a lot of DBs that have made phenomenal plays, pick sixes. We have linebackers that are getting 20 plus tackles here and there and doing all their things. But when it comes down to the heart of what I've seen that is missing from all past great BYU teams is the trenches and the quarterback position. It'll be interesting to see what they do when yeah. the portal opens I, I on know, Monday. I know, especially we were talking about it on AFR today, the tackles for this defense to be effective, the one that Utah's run for so many years that Jay Hill's brought here, you have to have block eaters inside. Like guys that just demand a double team. And you can't combo off of them to the backers. You almost just have to say, we're just going to block these dudes and the backers are going to run free. And then the backers will get 110 tackles. You have to be really good inside, like really physical, unselfish dudes in there. So I'm looking to see who they bring in there yeah. because they need they need those kinds of guys. Harvey Longy's on the Wise Guys tonight on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. He had 137 tackles, six and a half sacks, and two rushing touchdowns during his three seasons at BYU. He played on special teams, too. So if the Cougars were on the field, Harvey was trying to figure out how to get out there. Also followed that with 80 tackles in the NFL on the Patriots twice, the Jets, the Broncos, and the Raiders. You're an amazing story, and we want to talk about it. Let's go back to Friday October 13th, 2017, you're in your rookie season in New England, preparing to be moved up to the active roster to play the Jets two days later. Prior to coming to this intersection, which we'll get to in a moment, just a regular day? It was, it was a regular, uh, it, was a, it was a little bit different from my regular routine because of, of what um, that week had in store for me. Um, so that year I was undrafted. Um, there was about 20 other dudes trying to make this team, maybe even 30. Yeah. We only drafted four or five dudes. We cut two of them in order for, to make room for me and another guy to make the 53-man. So two draft picks yeah. you cut. Wow. So I make the 53-man roster, but um, I was inactive or active or inactive. So you can have 53 on the active roster, but right. on game day, you only have 46 or 47 actually active. Meaning that could play. That can play. And then yeah. the rest that are you know on the 53-man are just in a box or on the sideline watching that are not allowed to play. So I was either inactive or if I was active, I was playing special teams and then just giving breathers here and there on defense, if that. Mm -hmm. And I was doing my thing on, on, and, um, on, in practice because I understood who I was. I was undrafted. And I knew what my journey was in order for me to get the attention. And You had to fight. I had to fight every day, day in and day out. And I remember Dante Hightower sort of blowing out his, um, his peck and that year also Rob Nikovich retired. So there was an, a very, we didn't, we were very slim at linebacker outside and inside. So I get a text from my position coach and I get a text from Bill Belichick and they're just like, Hey, prepare. There's going to be a big week, week for you. We are expecting you to play a lot and maybe even starting. So this is your, this is your chance. Um, prepare. You've been doing a lot of good things at practice. You've been super consistent. 
Um, this is your week. So I'm taking this week head on. You yeah. know, I'm the first one in, last one out. <laughs> I'm the first one in uh, meetings, last one out, everything. I'm just trying my best to not let this opportunity slip this out of my This is your hands. dream. This yes. is it. And, you know, every Friday, um, you know, the newlywed, all you newlyweds out there, you guys are in that, that phase. Yeah, date night. And I wanted to go on date night. And um, I know every Friday's date night. My wife had a full-time job. I'm like, hey, no kids. You got to work, babe. You know, right. um, you can't just sit here and just, you know, twiddle your thumbs all day waiting for me. You got <laughs> to go, go work. And so she had a full-time job. And Friday comes along. And I have, you know, stuffed animals and, uh, and cushions out as my defense and I'm calling out the defense and, <laughs> you know, I'm, it's, it's almost, you know, I, I just barely got home and I'm just still working. I was just trying my best to be prepared. And we get a call from one of our buddies is the Bishop's daughter and her boyfriend. Hey, let's go out to eat. Um, let's just go to a steakhouse or something. I'm like, no, it's a big week for me. Game days on, on, uh, Sunday. on Sunday and fast Friday. So Friday was our date night. Cause it's fast Fridays. Yeah. Usually you're in by nine, you're out by 12. Regular day, you're in by six, you're out by four or five, maybe even six. So every fast Friday was date night. Right when we hung, right when we hung up the phone, I could just feel like my wife just like, it's date night. Like, <laughs> well, you started yeah. the tradition. Yeah. <coughs> you know? And I could feel it. But she never said anything because she knew how big of an opportunity it was, yeah. but I could feel it. You know? And then after like 20 minutes of just getting crushed by this, you know, by this pressure and the, of just feeling her words come through, just like, it's date night, babe. I've been working all week. Come on, let's go out, get loose, just go get food. But she didn't say a word. There's all just. You could just feel all this. feel it. You could feel you the know? gaze. Babe, go turn on, let me go put on your jeans. Let's go. Call him back. Let's just go to um, Longhorn Steakhouse. It's like yeah. if you get on Bangor or Highway, it's one light, you're off. Right. And we go down the street, we go to Longhorn, we get a nice dinner, and on our way back, um, right when we get to the light to turn off to our street, um, boom. So this is at Fisher and Commercial yeah. Street, that intersection, not far from Gillette Stadium. No, not far at all. So you come to a red light and you're stopped. So there's a car in front of us that we're on turning, returning to go onto where the street where our apartment's on, and there's a car in front of us, and... Um, we're right behind it parked and then we're completely stopped and uh, the Jeep hit us going about 60, 57 miles per hour directly behind us. Oh, man. Smushed us completely against the so car in front of us. Accordion, accordion. The, a car right, yeah. right then. Do you remember the sound? So it was crazy. Um, I'm trying to find a song. We're at a red light, so I'm trying to find a song. She's like, babe, by the time you find a song, we're going to be home. <laughs> so I hit this song, and I still know it till this day. And right when it starts playing, I start singing it out loud to just annoy her like I found my song. What and song was it? It's uh, John Splithoff. Um, shoot, now it's out of my mind since you guys put me on the spot. But anyway, boom, it hits me. And I wake up, and it's literally like, it's like the movies. Um, like... You know, that high pitch, just in your, in your ear, there's glass everywhere. There's people running around and the, um, the fire department and the, you know, the first responders are all there just trying to clip off everything. And, and it was the craziest thing because, you know, I just got married to the love of my life and, and she's over here bleeding out. Um, so she had 18 staples on her head cause her whole head got, you know, just 
um, injured during this car accident. And is she still in the car? Or is she oh yeah, we're car? both sitting here, and okay. you know, I'm just so smushed. You know, our car. She had a sedan. It was just her sedan from college. Yeah. You know, we even though we've been in the NFL for six weeks, you know, we're gonna ride that thing to the dirt. And mm-hmm. sure. And um, our car was like a smart car. That's how small it was. You yeah. know, there's no trunk, no back seat, and I was just smushed, kissing my my uh, knees were up to my face, and. You know, I was this big, strong, you know, linebacker that just made the NFL, but I couldn't move an inch to make sure if my wife was okay. And um, it was just, I couldn't do anything. No one would talk to me because, you know, the first responders had the jaws of life just ripping our car apart, trying to get us out. And, um, you know, they they titled her as deceased. And, uh, man, my whole world just crashed, you know. I was just like, I fell asleep. Like, there's no other way. I was working too hard. And I put football in front of my family and I fell asleep and I killed, I probably killed my wife. And, um, I didn't care about football. I didn't care about anything. All I cared about was, you know, hoping that she was alive. And how did you come to know, uh, or, or were told that she had passed away? So I didn't know, but I had a feeling that it could have been there because she wasn't responding and I could have respond. But then when they took her away, you know, in the movies and all that, they start doing these things to the people that are dead, and they started doing that to her. And um, you like you're talking about taking the cover, you know, and just her- doing, yeah, just trying to check her and do all that. And I, I was just like, man, it's not looking good over there. And I'm trying my best to ask all these responders, but their job is not to respond back to us. They're trying to just keep us calm. Like we'll answer questions later. Just come on, you know, make sure that yeah. they're doing all their procedures the right way. And they took her to a completely different hospital. They took me to this grungy hospital in Providence. Why did they take you to different hospitals? So they um, they say that they don't want to take two trauma cases to the same so, trauma. Not room. two level one traumas. Yeah. And so that that's how badly you were both hurt, that yeah. they had to take you to two different hospitals. Yeah. Like, that would be the only case where they would do that. So they take you to two different hospitals. And, and how long was it before you had any word uh, about how Casty was. So it was like six hours. Um, so during that time, I'm calling everyone. I'm calling my parents, her parents. I'm like, get here, check on her, call her. Um, she's at this hospital. I'm calling the the church, um, our church, and all the ward members. I'm like, hey, if anyone is awake. And the crazy thing was that all the elders quorum was awake because they had a game night and one of our elders quorums a game um, inventor and he showed everyone this new game invented which blew up and they're all playing it to like 11 12 p.m that night in the church yeah so they were all there and i'm like go straight over there make sure she's okay give her a blessing do everything you possibly can i called her work i called all the friends that we knew over there to just go to that hospital and then i get a call six hours later and you know it was her voice and then right when i heard her voice i just knew i'm like like we're going to be just fine. I don't care. I couldn't feel my legs. I broke my back, every, tore every ligament, enjoyed my knees, my ankles, brain bleed, swallowed six um, teeth. They found in my esophagus. Wow. You know, I didn't care about any of that. I just knew she's alive and I'm alive. Our journey isn't over. What were her injuries? So she um, broke every single rib. She shattered her pelvic bone in six different places. Um, she broke something in her hand and she had 18 staples. So she just cracked her whole, her head open. So it's pretty crazy. So it was about six hours before you got to talk to her. How long was it before you were reunited together? It's uh, three to four days. Yeah. It's three to four days. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't move. 
So did you go to her? Did she come to you? (laughs) Crazy story about that is that when I'm in Providence, you know, they're, it's a pretty grungy hospital over there and there's a lot of, you know, trauma that happened over there. So they're just like, ah, you'll be fine and all that. I'm like, doc, I am hurt. Like, I need to stay here a little bit longer. He was just going to let me go. And all of a sudden, he knew I was a Patriot player. All of a sudden, they shipped me, you know, two days later. Like, they put me in the best room up there finally. And then they shipped me out. And I just looked at the doctor. And, then, you know, I, I called him out. I'm like, hey, treat every patient like this. Right. You know, I understand that, you know, you, you know who I am now and all that. But treat every patient like this. Yeah. And then um, they finally took me out when I was able to, you know, finally know what my injuries were to know if I was okay to move uh, locations. And then once they knew all that, they, they, lo- they um, relocated me right next to her and I got to reunite with my wife. So at that time um, you're, we were with the Patriots, Bill Belichick's your head coach, Tom Brady's the quarterback. What, what was the response from the team at this time? You were supposed to be starting Yeah. the, the next two days from then. Yeah. And it was crazy because the guys that were under me, um, I got to watch all the way, to you know play all the way until the super bowl and i'm like gosh you know and of course what if but they responded just the best way possible i got a call from um every every coach i got a lot of teammates came came over that night and the day after and a lot of teammates showed their love but belichick bob Kraft, everyone you can think of in that organization backed this up and said they're going to be here for us all the way up to you know, down to Tom Brady to everyone, you know, so it was, it was an amazing um, support. Let's go back to that uh, moment when um, you're now back in the same room with, with Cassidy for the first time after four days. Um, did, what, and it's probably highly personal, but we're going to ask anyway. Um, you look at each other and go, what, look at us. <laughs> what? We were just going to dinner and driving home. Yeah. And look at us now. Man, it... it It just, I guess, um, reminded me what really is important. Um, you know, a couple weeks before that, we opened up our, our first NFL check, and we thought we're, we made it. And, yeah. you know, before, you know, a couple, you know, a year before that, you know, we, we just got married. And so... We thought we we hit the the peak of our you know like our our journey. We're like, gosh, you know, we just got married, living the dream. Yeah, you got to be with me my senior year. Got to go on our little vacation for our bowl games because mm-hmm. you know if we had kids, all of our kids would have came too. But <laughs> and then you know we get to the NFL together. So that moment just really showed me in life that that um, you know the relationships that we have with our family members and brothers and sisters or spouses, especially, you know, for me in that case, my wife, yeah. that, that means more than anything. And I knew right when I, you know, I held her and we held each other and just cried it out. It's like, we're alive. <laughs> we just <laughs> laughed and we're like, you're alive and I'm alive. They tried, but they couldn't stop us. You know, no, you so, can't stop the longest. So, yeah. It's interesting that, uh, to make matters worse, you're home recovering with your wife and your team goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
It's no. like, where's the justice in that? Well, it was it was awesome still <laughs> to still be a part of a team to go see. And of course, you know, I I tried my best to to be in meetings and do all that. But you know, for a good couple months there, we just sat next to each other like two planks, and you know, you couldn't laugh, you couldn't do anything because our bodies just hurt so bad. Uh, and you know, I just said, hey. We still alive, you know, like I'm still here. You're still here, you know, and so. And in, in, in the chat, Harvey, like right here from the fam, Rad and Lux say hi, daddy. Oh, so they're watching it. They're Rad and Lux, I love you guys so much. And they but just saw their own picture. They should have just seen their own yeah, picture. You need to go to bed, though, y'all. You know, it's, it's time for you to go so, to bed. Speaking, speaking of Rad and Lux and, and the whole family, tender mercies scattered throughout our calamities, right? You and Casty. Starting your family was one of them. Yeah, it wasn't easy to get those yeah. kids into this world um, to, to join your family. Um, some miscarriages and complications, getting pregnant before the accident, just just another challenge that you guys went through. So you don't take that for granted, I don't think either. No. What was that like going through that? Well, I've uh, right when we were dating, about to you know we we're um, engaged. I always just would tell her, "Hey, I need kids ASAP if we get married." Yeah. You know, even though I'm one of ten kids, and it's a there's a lot of curses that come with a lot of <laughs> a lot of kids. You know, you don't ever own your own pair of that like, uh, shoes or your shirt. You know, I get a shirt. All my seven brothers get a new shirt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're fighting for the last piece of chicken or whatever. So hey, there's are, ten McCanns yeah. too. Right? Yeah. So, you song. know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but I, my parents were just such. You know, they were workhorses, so they were never home. You know, they're always having two, three jobs, just trying to hustle their way to keep get us through and. And I always told my wife, I want to be a cool young parent. So I need kids ASAP <laughs> so we can just be in their lives and be the cool parents. And, you know, and we had a lot of problems. Um, and once we got married of having kids and I just remember after the last one, I just would, ha you know, I'd have personal just prayers with myself and, and you know, and God, I'm just like, yo, send one down, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm like, come on, like, what do I have to do? Like, I'm ready. Like, send one down. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I can take care of, of him or her. Bring him down. Yeah. And I just remember it was a very emotional, just blunt conversation that I just had with, you know, um, in my personal time. And um, if they would have been here, that they would have all been in car seats in the back of our little Mazda 3, you know? Yeah. So Interesting, too, though. Uh, they didn't get here. Uh, there's this accident. You recover, and then all of a sudden, boom! Here they come, Bam. boom! They all start coming. They so. talk about a tender mercy of I don't know why something horrible happened, but in the wake of something horrible, what you really, really wanted, then came. Yeah, and that was yeah. Right when we recovered, our my wife got pregnant with um, our oldest son, Rad. He just turned four. Well, he turned he's four and a half now. Turned yeah. five next year, and. Um, I knew that, Hey, this, so, you know, having a family, we can do that. And guess what? We've talked to many specialists and every single specialist said, I will never touch a gridiron again. But I had a feeling that, you know, maybe, you know, I had all this in the back of my mind, we're never going to have kids, but guess what? We've had a kid. All these specialists say, we're never going to be on a gridiron. We're going to get on a gridiron. I can walk, I can talk. I'm going to rehab and all this. I don't care what any of the specialists say. We're yeah. going to get there somehow, some way. So you and had, I did. Yeah, you had this yeah. great determination, um, and I, you know, people watch and they're like, "Oh, Harvey, 
Great career at BYU, NFL guy. Some people maybe heard a little bit about this accident, but they have no idea what you guys went through, both with this quest to have children and then the accident um, and what you had to do to get back. How has all of these experiences reinforced your faith? It's... It wasn't coincidence that I needed that a hundred percent that, um, though the, from, from switching over to BYU all the way up till that accident, I knew every single trial that, that has happened with, you know, myself. And then when I got married, I needed that to, to get my faith where it's at. Um, growing up being one of 10, I always was, I guess the black sheep and would always, Tell my mom and dad, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. They gave us our our agency to choose, you know, our religious beliefs when we were 16. And I just sort of didn't want one. Right. And, you know, a lot of things um, that I knew if I didn't have, you know, God here to show me that he's constantly in my life and he's going to be no matter what, um, even during these times where it took me from, you know, I was on the, the top of the top and took me all the way to the bottom of the bottom. Um, it, it humbled me to show, Hey, football's not what I care about. You know, um, you go into, you know, I went to university of Utah. Um, I get kicked off the team, you know, no one really knows this. I got kicked off the team over there and yeah. I, you know, I, I made it back of course, but you know, under wraps, I got kicked off. I was partying. I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And then um, I had a sibling that gets in trouble and he gets, you know, put um, put away for a period of time. And I just remember, like, my life is not going where I should go. And then, boom, I get the feeling in my heart to pull over and and say a prayer. I pull over and say a prayer for the first time in years. You know, at the point when I was a freshman at the U, I never did this. You know, I went away from the church and away from religion for a while. And then I felt, you know, I felt the Holy Ghost tell you, hey, pull over pull over and I pulled over and I just like just cried again I'm like what do you want from me I, I'm one of the first to get to D1 yeah and my and and 72 I have 72 uh first cousins I'm I'm one of the first in my whole family to do this I'm one of the first to do this this and I'm doing everything that my parents said I needed to do and I'm doing it and I'm not getting blessed like what else do you want and he said go serve my people and I, I, I will always remember growing up when we would have family home evenings or family meetings, I would always tell my parents, Hey, you have nine other missionaries. I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, you have nine other kids that are going to get married in the temple. I'm not one of them. Just letting you know now, you know, and you know, I was that type of, you know, kid growing up, I was a heartache for my mom, but I just remember going to my mom said, Hey, I'm going to go serve a mission. So it was another time where he just humbled me and said, hey, it's not what I care about. What I care about is, is you serving my people and bringing others to, to Christ. And from so off, yeah. off to Florida. Yeah, off to Florida. And then coming here and doing all those other trials, it's just the same story over and over of just him reminding me that I have a bigger con in this life than, than what I, I think it is in, on earth, you know what I mean? With all the temporal things. What you may not know is that we know your mission president. Yes, we do. Well, you know we Mark know. Mark Cusick. They're watching tonight on The Wise Guys. I reached out to him before this interview. Awesome. And uh, this is what he said about Elder Longy. You ready? Yeah. Whatever Elder Longy put his mind to, it was all gas, no brakes, leaving nothing on the table and moving anything in his way. Elder Longy made things happen. 
He was a rainmaker. He was confident in the promptings he felt and never, ever hesitated to take decisive action. Some may call me biased, but if you're going into a battle, Elder Longy is one of the young warriors you want on the front line. The best news is that Elder Longy has only just begun to make a change in the world. With much love and sincerity, Mark Cusick, Mission President, Florida, Tampa Mission. FTM, baby. I really appreciate that, President. That mission, that, that mission. That's awesome. Changed everything, didn't it? Yeah. Um, especially being under, you know, um, President Bruce Summer Hayes, my first year, and then mm-hmm. yeah. uh, President Mark Cusick, my second year. Um, and um, I guess I get this from, of course, uh, Mark. Uh, I came back not having the 40,000 foot view. He'd always talk about having the eternal view. You know, he's very business savvy and, and brought that, um, that part to the mission also. And it really taught me to understand that there's order and there's, there's this view that you can take. And I, I finally had that view of my life. And when I came back from the mission, I knew, all right, if, the, if I take the eternal view or the 40,000 foot view, what do I want in my life? Well, I want to get married yeah. first. Second off, um, I want to have a great education. Third off, I want to make a change in this world somehow, some way, but last and not least, um, I want to be in the NFL and use, you know, my platform to, to change, um, to, to bring of good. And, um, I came back, found my wife, started dating Cass. Um, she played UV, um, at UVU. She played volleyball. volleyball. Right. And, um, well, first off, I knew that I had to change to BYU because I couldn't go back to, you know, and it had nothing against the university of Utah. It was just my own doings. Right. Um, so, and then found my wife second off, um, of course, you know, BYU's great education. I went to school for film. Couldn't really get in the film um, um, program because I jumped majors too late. So it was more like theater. So I wish I was here to talk to you before <laughs> when you guys were gentry and all that. I was like, man, I know what you went through a little bit, not really like you. <laughs> and then third was, you know, I tried my best to do as much as service things as I possibly could and help others do, if it's youth firesides, if it's any type of charity event, if it's any anything from even helping the person on the road that I see, I try my best to, you know, just do what I feel is right. And then the last was to make it the NFL. And I'm like, all right, if I want to be in the NFL, what do I got to do? Well, I got to work real hard. It's blah, 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 but let's really break it down, you know? And this is comes from, you know, Mark again, like let's really break it down. All right. Where's the Polynesians in the NFL? All right. They're on defense. Majority. And you were playing running yeah. back. You played running back. I was back. a running back. Right. And I've known, I've known Harvey yeah. since he and Gavin played against each exactly. other in high school back in the old days. Right. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a running back. The pride of the Bingham minors. Yeah. That's right. Go Bingham. Bingham. <laughs> Come on, Bingham. Harvey, I'm still mad at Harvey better. because Bingham Davis major. had him. It was like 20 to six at halftime. And then, uh, Davis pulled a, uh, um, BYU in the game and, and Harvey and brought Harvey his team back and they beat him in yeah. the second half in the state championship game. A hundred percent. I'm not even going to lie. We ran it back then. Yes, they did. So did. You're, you're on offense, but you feel your future is on the other side of the ball. Yeah. I, I really broke it down. I wanted to take my best chance. So, all right, where's the six, two Polynesians? Well, they're not running backs. Yeah. You know, Harvey went into the league, um, became a fullback, um, you know, tried his best to become a running back. Roy Hellu, uh, Matt Asiata. There was rarely, and there was none. I had yeah. a 0% chance. Yeah. So I'm like, where are all the 6'2", you know, athletic Polynesian guys? Well, they're linebackers. And if you're not a linebacker, you get moved to fullback. I mean, you're a fullback. And if you're 
you don't do well there. They move you at linebacker. If you're not there, they make you eat more Polynesian food and make you a D lineman. You know, <laughs> that's the process. That's, that's the process. Now it's sort of changed. Of course, you start seeing them in more, yeah. you know, different positions. And um, but I just knew. All right, I have a 32 percent chance of making it as a linebacker. I have a zero percent chance at making it as a as a D lineman. I'm going to go with my 32% chance. If I'm in Vegas, I'm rolling on this side. And I went to Bronco and I sat down. Now, with Bronco's them. planning on you being his starting running back. Uh, yeah, or to compete. You know, yeah. of course, there was nothing, you know, just given over there. So right. I had to go compete. To but he's, be that's there. where you're, uh, yeah. you're on that down list. Yeah, down as a running yes, back, right? 100%. Yeah. And he just looked at me and just like, okay, we'll do that. But first, you're going to learn the offense, you know. And I'm like, ah. I really want to be a linebacker. And he's like, okay, we'll do that. So then, you know, it took a little bit longer than I thought. I thought he was right away. He's going to put me there. But yeah. once he understood um, where I wanted to go, Bronco was that type of person where he's like, that's where you want to be. I will take you there. And we're going to try to develop you um, as much as we can as a linebacker. And I'm so glad I got to do that under his wing and his coaching staff, because yeah. he was so detailed in his defense. And I started to really understand defense to a T because of, you know, how OCD Bronco was when he came down to his defense, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, I got to play with great players that just, you know, helped me along the way. And um, I knew that I had a better chance of doing that. So you get in the NFL and after the accident, you get back in the NFL. Yeah. You uh, play for the Jets and then you're back with New England yeah. in 2021. But the injuries kept coming too. You were on the IR with the Jets, the IR with the Patriots, the Raiders last year. Uh, you took a shot to the head. You're on the IR with 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 the Raiders. It's a brutal sport. Why do you love it so much, man? It's crazy because the sport was forced upon me. So I remember being young and just having our our family meetings, and my mom would always come over there and be like, "Look, I, we don't have the money to take any of you guys to college. Your dad and I did not sacrifice to come all the way from the islands here for you guys to just be sitting around and to just have." normal mediocre jobs you guys are here to go get an education and you're here to make a change and not only the world but our family and to teach the generations under us that it's it's okay to to you know climb the economical ladder but the edu the educational ladder yeah and education was number one so she's like we don't have the money so choose something and i remember this from the very young age that every time, choose whatever it is. If it's rugby, is it football, is it golf? You know, Tony Finau and my, and, and my family, so his grandma and my grandma are, are sisters, so we started golf with them. I didn't like it. Yeah. You know, Jabari Parker, his grandma and my grandma are sisters. <laughs> and, we, you know, we tried basketball. I'd foul out by the first quarter, you know. We tried. <laughs> I, I, I could see Harvey fouling out in the that. first quarter. Absolutely. So, so you go down the list. I tried everything from <laughs> rugby to the debate team, man. I thought, man, I argue I'm the best. Yeah. Nope, track and field. I tried everything. When it came down to football, somehow, some way, I knew like, oh, I like this. Yeah. And this maybe this is the one that I can really develop myself and and get my my scholarship, so my parents don't have to pay for my 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 schooling. So th that that was forced upon me, but then it also became a passion and love. So that's why I love it so much. You come home from your mission. You tell your parents you're going to BYU. You're on scholarship. That had to have been a pretty cool conversation. Yeah. And well, you know, when we, when we very first got, so crazy thing is my very first scholarship was given to me by Gary Anderson right. at oh, the yeah. university of Utah. Yeah. So I'm a ninth grader and I'm playing running back, but I'm also playing DB and I'm, I'm balling out at their camp at DB. And, and I remember, um, 
uh, Gary and Kalani and all them were all over there. And, and Gary was the one who was in charge of me, you know, my group. Yeah. And he went and talked to Kalani and he went and talked to the, the other guys that were over there and, and they all came and talked to me and they're like, yo, you need to come talk to coach Whittingham. And I thought I was just in trouble. You know, I, I would slide a core power here and a, a power rate here and extra one. Yeah, I'm like, dude, they caught me, man. Like, you know, like they say, take one. I took like two or three. I'm like, dude, my brothers want some, you know, like I, it's not only for me, you know? So yeah. I'm like, Oh, they caught me. They knew that I'm taking the extras. And I go sit down and Kyle's like, Hey, um, we want to offer you a, a scholarship here. Where's your parents? And I'm just like a scholarship. Like in my mind, I'm like, okay, scholarship. I know my parents will say, go get a scholarship. But like, I thought it was like a physical thing. I thought it was more like formal. Yeah. He just said it so nonchalantly, you know, it's like, where's your parents? We want to talk about, you know, maybe offering you a scholarship. I'm like, wait, is this the same scholarship my mom and dad have been telling me about the whole time? You know? <laughs> And, and you were just in ninth grade yeah, at the time. You know, we don't have the internet. You know, we didn't have right. YouTube, all this stuff to teach. You know, my kid probably knows what a scholarship now. He's only four years old, you know, because he has all this information. And he knows you were on one. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember going and grabbing my parents and, hey, Coach Winningham was talking to you. First thing my mom does, slap me on the back. Like, what did he do? And I'm like, Mom, I didn't do anything. They just want to talk to you. And I, I knew the word scholarship was in there. I knew I might be getting one, so I didn't want to, you know, um, tell her that it was a scholarship for scholarship. So we got up there and they say it. My mom, dad just break down crying and, you know, they just thank them all. And, um, I, I come back from my mission and say, Hey, I have a scholarship at BYU. You know, I had a great relationship with a lot of the coaches that I got recruited off of and had all, other opportunities, but I knew BYU was the spot for me when I came back from my mission. Yeah. yeah it worked out. Yeah. Hey, we're proud of you. It's a tremendous story of, of everything. It's like you're your own Hollywood. Uh, Harvey, movie. we can we can make a movie, and we're in the good part. <laughs> we can you, make you, you have your wife and your kids. We and can make a movie and, about Harvey for sure. This yeah. is then it's absolutely a book. Who would we get to star as Harvey? Harvey has to play himself. You think in this movie for sure? Yeah. Oh yeah. Who can play? Well, Harvey? Let's get Hinkley. Let's get Falau. He's so you know <laughs> yeah. buff, man. We need someone just ripped out of his mind, you know. Because I always <laughs> wish I I got there, but it took me to do a bunch of NFL workouts to finally get abs. We could do the dude from uh, Creed. No, no. You know who could play him is uh, um, the Aquaman guy. What's that guy? Oh, yeah. We could do Aquaman. You know, Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah Jason Momoa could play he'd him. He'd have to shave him a couple pounds yeah. down, but you could do that. Yeah, he might have to cut his uh, his hair. He's be, he, he, that's some very lovely Although, hair. Although, you know what? When you're, very lovely. When yeah. you're playing with the Patriots, you had some locks. Yeah, I did. I looked at some pictures, uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is... Well, once I left BYU, I know my hair eventually will go. So I'm like, I told my brothers, hey, I got to try every single hairdo. Because <laughs> whenever it goes, you know, I'm telling my son, hey, yeah, I tried dreadlocks. Yeah, I tried the afro. I tried the faux hawk and all that. Just just for my own sanity. There, when I'm older. Yeah. Well, wait, we're, we're so glad that you'd come come with us, Harvey. And it's Harvey's our, our set buddy when he comes and does a show with us. We've been so blessed to have you on the, on the um, game day shows with us this year. Harvey's my gym buddy. So I see Harvey at the gym all the time. We, your, your BYU TV career is just starting. My, you know, you might get distracted and go back to the league because yeah. I know you could, uh, but we're always here. My, my gym cred, by the way, is sky high right now. 
Because Harvey bad. comes over and talks to me when he's in the gym, and everybody's no like, way. "Oh, my gym cred is like way up here because no. of Harvey." So uh, the, his half his workout is him doing the the movements on the field. He's like, "Hey, did you see that? You, you see how how uh, AJ just went side to side right here? Like he went." I'm like, "Wow, we, we break, it, we break it down on the turf yeah. there at Vasa. It's yeah. workout you know? slash entertainment uh, for Blaine's workout. Dave used to work out with us there too, but yeah, yeah. I go to a different gym. He goes now. to a different gym. Awesome. Now. Um, you ready for five questions? Yeah, bring right. them on. Let's do it. All right, favorite sports movie. Remember the Titans. There you go. That's the that's the same oh, as Brad. Brad same as Brad. Yeah, it's good. I, I might have to scratch that. What is it? Then? Why? No, what happened? It's the Sandlot. I lied. The Sandlot. Oh, yeah. the Sandlot. Benny, come on. Yeah, I hurry lied. up. My clothes I, are going I, out I of could, style. If I'm watching a, a sports movie right now, I'd, I'd pop in the Sandlot for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. The okay. Beast. Okay, favorite singer or band? My favorite singer or band. Um, I want to go with. Favorite singer. I'm going to go with Mariah Carey. All right. You know, we're in the Christmas feels right now, and yeah. I don't think anyone will top Mariah Carey's um, Christmas album back in the day, you know. Okay. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. Favorite breakfast cereal? Favorite breakfast cereal currently. So that switches, like that singer, that switches every, you that's know. All right. yeah, that's all right. That's why there's lots of flavors. Yeah. yeah. The the one I'm on that's been the past three, four months has been Cinnamon Life. Cinnamon Life. I had a bowl of Cinnamon Life yeah. before I came up to the show. That was my pregame meal today. Cinnamon Life. That's that's money. Your favorite football moment of all time. Favorite football moment of all time. Um, will probably be the very first time I got active. No, that can't be. Um, I'm just going to keep it short. Just the one that comes straight to my mind is when we go against the Saints and it's my very first time being active um, uh, to go play. And I'm running out of the tunnel, and I'm just screaming at the fans who are just, you know, swearing and yelling at me. Yeah. I'm just screaming back at them like, I'm playing on Sunday. <laughs> I'll play it on Sunday. They know everything about me. They're yelling about my, you know, cast. They're yelling about BYU, and oh, I'm yeah. Mormon and all this oh, stuff. Man. But I'm just yelling back, like, on the top of my lungs, like, I'm going to just, you know, kill this person. Like, I'm, I'm playing on Sunday. And just the feeling I had, like, all that hard work and... And, you know, all the things I've been through and, you know, all everyone that maybe didn't believe in me or did believe in me and helped me to get there, it, it paid off. That's awesome. That's a great moment. That is awesome. Now, the most important thing is what's the favorite, your favorite advice that you've ever gotten from Cassidy? Gosh, that's why well, you gotta put that one on me right now. That's <laughs> we saved the best for last. Okay. Um, we, we wanted to, those others were easy. This one's hard. And you have um, to do hard things. You know how to do hard things. Yeah. Um, I would think it would be... I, I, I don't know if it should be... She says a bunch of funny things to me, too. That <laughs> you, nice. can give, you can share that, too. You know? Um, hmm. I think... Well, she always tells me when I do anything dumb or anything like that, she just says, just remember, you're not only representing yourself, you represent me and our kids. Just think of the family first and put the family first before you decide on anything. So um, I think that's a big advice that, that she tells me. So We remind our nephews before they go up to the plate, we go, remember, you represent all of us up there. Yeah. So drive it somewhere. I think I think what Brent, Brenda's advice to me is always this. You know what I'm telling you all this stuff? I don't need a solution or an answer. 
I just need you to sit there and listen. Why do you always try to solve everything? Yeah. Just listen to me. I'm like, because we're guys. And, it t- and it's taken me like 40 years to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have a fun one where we go, well, and well, Diane will go, well, aren't you something? Yeah, yeah, yeah there you <laughs> yeah. go. Or you're just there like, you yeah, you're right. I'm not. Yeah, I don't need your advice. Or I just need you to listen. I'm like, oh, that's a little easier. <laughs> but hard for guys to do. No, it's hard. We always have, we want to fix everything right now. No. We're going to fix it. No, do, do not fix it. Just listen. Yeah. So that's good advice. I love that. Hey, have a great holiday with you and your family. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you soon on BYU TV. Yeah, we got we got a little bit of time off now, but we'll be back at it. July, we start doing shows. July 30th. For football. So, yeah. yeah. Letting the brain rest this season, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you never know. See, well, off Dave season. and I have like 15 basketball games to call, so. Oh, my. Hey, did you ever get to tackle any of your former players when you were in the NFL? Did you ever come across oh. Taysom or Jamal or any of those guys? I was so close to Taysom so many times. <laughs> That's what a lot of people say. Golly. And I would I would even tell him right when I would get close to him and he would throw the ball or something like that. And he's like, nope, you didn't. You didn't get me. You didn't get me. <laughs> right in the middle of the yeah. game, you and guys he, are oh, talking. He, yeah, he talks. So, yeah, his, his trash talk is just so just simple. It's like, and it gets me fired up. I'm like, I'm going to get you one time. I promise you, you know. So, no. Did you play against Jamal at all? Um, I haven't, I never played against Jamal, never really came across Jamal. Um, who else plays offense? Um, Tyler, but yeah, you, you Tyler, Tyler, Tyler's Tyler's now. Um, so yeah, back then, yeah, it was just, yeah, I can't remember anyone Most else. of BYU's guys are, the big guys are, you know, Fred yeah. and Sione and like everybody's on D. Yeah. A lot of defensive dudes. Yeah. So it's crazy now. Uh, you know, every team's got a BYU guy. It seems a few years back, there was just a few of you in there represent and end that and they're very well known yeah like you and i were talking yeah. about that the other day they're very visible players yeah. like fred's the best backer in the league 100 yeah you know and Taysom's the biggest freak in the league everybody's like that guy's a freakish like yeah. you can't stop him and you know? he's 30 plus years old and doing it you know and people don't realize that like gosh and people don't even realize what Taysom's been through either he's been through a lot of injuries oh, yeah. a lot of family trauma yeah. like Taysom's been through a lot of things also you know everyone's like well gosh Taysom's just this gifted freak I'm like well if you hear his story you'd be surprised he's in the spot where he's at yeah you know? how much he's had yeah. to work yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. All right, give Cassidy our best. Thanks, Thanks for coming yes. on the show. Thanks, Harv. Awesome. The great Harvey Longy from the NFL and BYU and Bingham and all that stuff. Great to have you with us. Um, again, next week, our guests include uh, David Nixon and Doug Wilkes. Doug Wilkes, the editor of the Deseret News. Bronson Kafusi will be with us later in December. Ross Apo uh, as well as we march closer to the holidays. By the way, this week in the NFL, a couple of notable things, and maybe most notable, is Andy Reid becomes the winningest coach in Chiefs franchise history with 137 victories. He's also the winningest coach in the Eagles franchise history, so now he's got two. That is remarkable. And you know what? We all know that Andy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, it, it's, it's remarkable what what Andy has done um, in his career. And who says that nice guys finish last, right? Yeah. Because Andy is, Andy is a remarkable human being that has done it the right way always. Um, and he just continues to make history. Sunday, Michael Davis and the Chargers play the Patriots. Blake Freeland and the Colts are at the Titans. The Lions are at the Saints, so you got Taysom and Jamal and Danny. Uh, David game. Nixon's Danny going Sorsen. down to watch that one, taking right. his boys. And interesting, when we say Taysom and Jamal, we don't even have to say the last name. No. And really Danny else. either. Everybody knows it's Danny Sorensen. Yeah. So. Falcons with Tyler Algiers at the Jets. And we just don't know what direction the Jets are going now. At quarterback, 
Uh, we don't expect Zach to play, but the backup didn't do anything either, so I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, gosh, did that surprise everybody? No. Hey, guess what? The Jets quarterback didn't play well. That's because their offensive line is the worst in football. Yeah, the whole thing. I think the, I think Alabama and Georgia's offensive lines are better than theirs. <laughs> I think you're right. That, that's maybe not true, but um, yeah. And how about the the uh, 49ers, Fred Warner at the Eagles? Sione, that's a big game. Sione Taki Taki, another BYU linebacker playing for the Browns. Uh, he's going to try to stop and tackle Puka Nakua right. and the Rams. Now they should cross paths in the secondary. Yeah, they should because Puka's going to run some crossing routes. And Sione's going to be back in a drop. And and then there's another name. You know, we mentioned Fred is the best backer in the league. Puka Nakua is the best rookie in the league. Yeah. And uh, he's making a Pro Bowl case for himself at wide receiver. He's like, and he's making history as well. One of the, the uh, all time rookie best wide receivers in the history of that league. He's on my fantasy team. We didn't do much last week. So Puka, I need you this weekend. <laughs> He'll step it up. Don't worry about it. And then the Chiefs, we mentioned Andy Reid at the Packers, Zane Anderson um, uh, with the Packers. Um, they'll, they'll be, and Zane did play for Andy at the Chiefs there for a period of time. So. Final minutes of our show. Let's go on this day, November 28th. Can you believe it's next week? Later this week is December. Friday is December 1st. So in December, I'm not going to have a cold. So, that's my <laughs> that's goal. That's good because it's such my, a warm month. My goal for December is to not have a cold. On <laughs> so. this day, November 28th, 1775, the Second Continental Congress established the Continental Navy. Yeah, how about that? And how about in 1893? New Zealand, like this I did not know. New Zealand is the first country to allow women to vote in a national election. It took until 1893 for someone Zealand. to break through. New Zealand does this first, so... Now, two years later, 1895, the first auto race in the United States. There were six cars. They went 55 miles from Chicago to Evanston and back. And Frank Duryea won the race with an average speed of seven miles an hour. Like, people run that fast. They run 20 miles an hour. Think about it. Now cars, Indy cars, will go 220. Yeah. But back in 1895, they didn't go that fast. And uh, Frank Duryea is the first U.S. racing champion. Let's think about that. Seven miles an hour, 55 miles. I think our world-ranked marathoners run faster than that, don't but they? But wouldn't they put her out after 26? There's some ultra-marathoners that run 50. They really? might have been able to beat a car. They might have been able. So, Frank would have had to hit the yeah. gas pedal. So now this is going to surprise everybody. 1954, the first pro football game was played. In the Netherlands. What were they doing over there in the Netherlands playing football? I don't know. I just We were just in the Netherlands not that long ago, and it's a beautiful place, but I had no idea that the first pro football game was played there in 1954. 1960, CBS Radio, get this, expands I, We their, shouldn't say the first. Like, I, I don't know if I said that right. They had it, their first Their first game. pro football game. Yeah. Right. Not, the first pro football game was played right. long before that in the United States, but the first pro football game in the Netherlands was in 1954. So 1960, CBS Radio expands its hourly news coverage from five minutes to 10 minutes. Now it's 24-7 yeah. on all these channels. Everywhere. So, so how about that? Man, what? We're getting 10 minutes of news? That's ridiculous. Yeah. How about 1989? Ricky Henderson signs a record $3 million a year contract with the A's. $3 million. What, what did uh, the Yankee Aaron Judge get this year? Did we, was it $50 million or something like that? And they, they signed multi-hundred million dollar <laughs> deals. Um, I think Zach Wilson's signing bonus was $10 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there you so go. But back then, 1989, which doesn't seem that far away, uh, that yeah. was that was it. And that guy could, if he got on first, he was getting on second because he was going to steal it. Birthdays on November 28th, 1943. Randy Newman. Who's Randy Newman? 
Well, have you heard of the song, You Got a Friend in Me? You Got a Friend in Me. Or Short People, which is you a classic. You Got a Friend Indeed. That's from, that's from the movie um, with Woody and... Oh, yeah. Toy Story. Toy Story. When, uh, when Sean Bradley was here at BYU, 7-6, I had to do a music video uh, for my class or for something. I don't yeah. know what. And I used the song Short People. Yeah. And it just put all his record-setting blocks as he just swatted one guy after the other. To Randy Newman's song, Short People. Uh, if you don't know it, like if we had a piano here. Go to I would, YouTube. I know that one on piano. Short people got nobody. Yeah, <laughs> we could do that one for you. I know it's a shock that I can play the piano, but November 28th, deaths. On, and on November 28th, 1939, James Naismith, the inventor of basketball and football helmets. I knew he was the inventor of basketball, yeah. but I did not know he invented and the football what helmet. Big 12 school is he from? Well, I want to say Kansas. He's Kansas. Yeah. Uh, there's the John Wooden Award for the nation's best player. There's also the Naismith Trophy winner. Who is BYU's lone Naismith I, I know winner? the answer to this, but and it's not Danny Ainge. No. I thought Danny Ainge. Dan, Danny Ainge won the Wooden Award, right? Yeah. But but Jimmer Fredette is the Naismith Award winner. And then Jimmer and Ainge each won the John Wooden That's Award. That's right. So The Wise Guys Inspirational. I'm not sure the Naismith Award existed when Danny was around. Maybe not. Know. But Jimmer got it in 2011 right. when, by the way, um, Brad Robbins uh, was dating his future wife, Shay, right in the there middle of Jumer Mania, as we learned earlier tonight. Our Wise Guys inspirational quote of the week is from James Naismith. He says, I'm sure that no man can derive more pleasure from money or power than I do from seeing a pair of basketball goals in some out-of-the-way place. <laughs> like he's driving across the plains he of Indiana. A hoop. There's a hoop on the side of a barn. And he's like, I invented this game. That's and that's, awesome. that's all I need right there. Our thanks to Brad Robbins of Gentry. By the way, folks in Boise can see the Gentry um, Christmas show on Saturday night. And um, yeah, no, you, it's, if, I think it's Idaho Falls Saturday night and then Boise. If you haven't seen them perform live, you, you've got to go. It will get you, it'll get you ready for Christmas. And Idaho and Falls on Saturday, Boise on December 5th. Right. And then we're, we're looking forward for, uh, for Gentry's release of the new... Um, new hymns, Easter type album they're going to release in the spring, and they'll do another little tour around that time. So, and what a what a powerful interview with Harvey. Oh, uh, Harvey's phenomenal. We love Harvey, um, and and you know we've had some some great time spent with Harvey this past year as he's joined us on BYU TV. And isn't it and isn't it awesome? We got some big tough NFL linebacker uh, who's as soft as a teddy bear, yeah. and and will share his emotions and yeah. and uh, and all that stuff. That's, that was so, great. Hey, we, we want to remind everybody that this is the last Tuesday night Wise Guys show. That's it. Next week, we move to Monday night. Make sure you join us, 6, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wherever you're listening to us tonight, wiseguys.com. Please tell your friends. Let's quadruple our audience um, as we move to family night on Monday night. That's the goal. Yeah, I think that'll be awesome. Pop some popcorn, yep. get some soda, and join the and wise guys. Monday nights. So uh, we just got a, an update. Uh, BYU women are trying to stay undefeated. They're over at Wyoming right now. They've been trailing all game long, and they just took the lead, right? And they're in the fourth quarter. So we wish Amber Whiting and the Cougs the best. David Nixon, Doug Wilkes are going to join us next week as we launch into Monday and December. Our podcast is up tomorrow. We encourage you to share it with everybody. And, uh, and, and again, let everybody know we're moving to Mondays. We're going to have some social media stuff on there. Uh, for, the, for you who won the shoes, uh, congratulations. We're going to have more giveaways with our partner, Gig, Scott Warner. And so we're excited about that as well. Yep, there you go. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us this week, everybody that was out there. We were all, uh, 
We're all better for it yeah. with the guests that we had tonight. It was great. That was good. That was good. We'll see you next week. See you next week.